Flex fam, we we have never had both Tina and Joey at the same time. Oh, right? this is a first. Oh, shit. This is a first. Have you guys and ever done it? It's kind a of funny because we're in separate rooms right now in the house. Too. <laughs> I'm, go, I'm gonna go ahead and close the door so I don't hear it. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I go. Or have you guys ever done a podcast together before? Uh, uh, I don't think so. <sighs> No, think so. Exclusive. The Aryan, we got an exclusive going on. Right? <laughs> First time ever on KOTL. Oh. Took a minute. Been some years. Took a minute. How are you guys feeling? How am I feeling? How am I feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling like we got a lot. Like powerlifting has just become this like gauntlet that doesn't end. <laughs> Fuck, man. It's it trying. There's no on and off season. It's like someone's always on season so you just you just it just it's tiring like i i remember i was like i was in good shape i was getting i was like 244 243 i was feeling nice and lean i was getting i was doing my cardio everything was in shape and then i went to like a million meets and my i feel like my lifts just deteriorated and i just started like handling and flying i've been on so many planes i've been on more planes this year that probably I'm pretty confident than any other year combined. And part of that has to do was because we had COVID. So I was like very. Yeah. You're just making up your flights from 2020 and putting it into 2021. Like everything was bent up. And then I said, okay, I'm going to go out full force for this nationals, which we'll probably talk about. And then I just put everything. I wanted to be prepared too. I wanted to do every meet that I could. So that way coming into nationals, I was like, super comfortable second nature all the rest is gone you know so you also got a little bit because i because i've seen in the stories um some partying going on both you guys for russ's opening on his gym doing so, the damn thing it took so a lot of convincing to get joey out joey didn't pack anything i didn't say what? anything to joey i had my they, heels packed i had a dress packed Oh, we got over there and everyone just got on Joey to be like, come on, man. Let's I mean, go that out. was, that was, um, that was more of like, you know, I was trying to like justify everything. And I'm just like, Russ had been through a lot in terms of like, we were prepping for Sheffield that got canceled. We were prepping for worlds that got canceled. We were prepping for Tina's meet that got canceled. We, uh, we were hoping for nationals that got canceled. So now we're like, all right, cool. The whole year scrapped. So he was just prep, 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 prep. And then, you know, everything's up in the air. And then we do a mock meet. He takes like a month off. You know, we get back in the saddle. We're hoping that 2021 things open up. And then, you know, finally we get nationals. And then, like, it was just a – and then he, the whole time he has to delay the opening of his gym. And then everything's just culminating, culminating, culminating. And then finally, you know, all the hype leading into nationals about him, you know, versus Sean and all that. And then – finally we get nationals done and then finally he can open his gym the week after so he just wanted to go out to kind of like you know celebrate. just like just like celebrate but i was there more so like as like the uh just making sure everybody's safe just Adult. like being, <laughs> just being there just being there you know just like the dad because you yeah. don't drink right you don't drink. i no. witnessed joey Take a small baby shot. No. And I almost it. lost my mind. I'm like, <laughs> I have been with this man for almost eight years and I've never once seen Why? him. Drink alcohol. Like Why? Why did I you just... do it? What was the occasion? Um, it was very small. It was super. It was like, it was just more so. It was just more so like, 
we made it through the COVID thing. We we came into nationals. Like it was kind of like a, I tried to use it as like a reflection moment. Like like look how far I came to get up to this point and all the shit that we went through. And it, apparently we're still not done with it. There's still a lot of obstacles and stuff coming up. But um, I don't know. It was just my brother was there and Tina was there, and that was a big part of it. And he he was just like he just they just convinced me they they were just like you know it's not even it would be stupid if like we were there and you weren't there like yeah i don't know and now now your brother does drink you no he doesn't drink not like that he just like he won't he he didn't do anything crazy i don't think he was even drunk yeah he doesn't all. part he doesn't party hard he didn't he did not get drunk we don't really time. do I, stuff like that it's like we, not productive i was actually worried because joey's brother is very different than he is and if Joey's brother gets drunk, <laughs> I would be scared because he he's he's willing he to great. cause trouble. He, and Joey he was, doesn't. No, no, he's not. He's great. Everything was fine, and you know it was uh it was it was just it was just uh everybody went out and they drank and danced and we're chilling. So that was that was that. And I mean, Russ did it super safe. We all had, went in one bus, so that way everyone was together. And um, they were super accommodating when we were out there. And um. Like it's like the whole setup of like where the hotel was in relation to the gym. Like I really liked the hotel and it was really close to the gym, so everything was really convenient. And you know, it's just it's just fucking hot. Like it's so hot. <laughs> Texas, baby. It's so hot. <laughs> like, we it's we right. went we went to Daytona Beach the week before for nationals, and I thought that was humid. It was humid. Texas. It was humid. Texas, Texas is just different. Texas was a thousand times worse than Florida. I did not expect it at all. We would be driving and it would be super sunny. And then all of a sudden it's like pouring and humidity is at a hundred. I don't even know why I packed a flat iron. It was disgusting. <laughs> it is what yeah, it, is. It, it is. it is. Yeah, it is. What it is. I like my no humidity here in California. <laughs> let's, um, let's take a look back at some of the U.S. raw Nats. Uh, we'll talk about it because you guys got like tons of lifters there. And then we'll talk about some of the future and why like the stress isn't over yet. Like, like Joey said, yeah. we're, we're never out of the fucking fire on this one. You know, like we're always, yeah. the heat's always on. Um, but all right, let's talk about Ron Nats. We were just talking about Russ. Let's kick it off with that. Um, Russ came on here, was talking about uh, the lead into Nats. It was crazy pressure cooker leading into the Raw Nats 83 kilo. Did not turn out like that big battle, but the battle was getting extremely hyped. And um, so how were you guys feeling about it? Were you feeling pressure? Joey, you would actually drop the post saying, yeah, I'll let you say. Yeah, I mean, I was just saying basically like what, why would anybody lose faith in Russ? What has he done that would make anyone think that he wouldn't show up and do what he does? We haven't had an opportunity to, like we haven't shown anyone um, that we would, not show up and ball out so i didn't understand what the why there was even a discussion but i understand that people only see what they see on social media and they don't know that he could just pull 750 in the gym randomly wouldn't shut everybody up you know what i mean so if it's like you don't post for a little bit and somebody else does post and then everybody kind of like assumes one thing and i talked to johnny in person and i was like did you like why i don't understand like why did you post that and he's like i I said, did you just want Sean to win? 
<laughs> or did you genuinely believe he was like better gonna beat Russ? And he was like, no, I genuinely thought he would win. I didn't. I, he's like, after I saw the 750, that kind of like changed my mind a little bit, and I started like, you know, I was like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> um, You're like, I'm kind of committed now. I mean, that's the vibe that I, that's the vibe from him that I got, and then, and then, and I told Sean, I was like, you know, I was like, if you like. I don't know if you have a hand in any of this, but like when you put all your chips in one basket like that, if you don't win, it's just going to be more shit that you have to deal with. And I think for a brief moment, he was kind of just like, I didn't ask for this, <laughs> but, um, but Actions uh, speak louder than words. Well, he didn't, he didn't want, he never told Johnny to post that. That's what he told me. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is, but I do believe like, so there was pressure, but for me, it's like, it just gets annoying when it's like the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. You know what I mean? Like, and there needs to be like time between in between. It can't just be like, you know, like eventually, like how many times, if you, you know, are they going to go ahead up a hundred times and then like, you know, maybe we get back calls on squad or something. And then they have like a fat pad on bench. And then like the one time, like, you know what I mean? Like, you just think like, how many times is this going to be a thing? You know, how many times is, um, I don't want to like, I don't want to shit on anyone, but it's just for me personally, it's just very tiring. And, you know, I, I will prepare Russ as many times as I need to. And I always try to put him in the best position to succeed. But when you put so much, here's the thing, right? If we had put so much into this, and Sean had a good meet, and then we won, that would be one thing. We could have some finality to it, and then I, we could just move the fuck on, and the fulfillment is there, and everyone has, like, an answer, right? But because it ended the way that it did, it was like, I, like, we got all built up for, like, not, it's like you're watching a movie, and the movie's building up, building up, building up, and like you, you, you're doing everything that you need to do before you hit to the climax. And then the movie like just ends on a cliffhanger. And then the, and then the person making the movie just decides I'm not gonna, I don't want to do another one. So that's how it felt for me. Like we built up all this stuff, like for this meet to happen and for this like big showdown and all this stuff and this battle or whatever. And then it just like doesn't happen um, because, you know, Sean got hurt. So it's just like, to, to an extent, too, it's like, it how did long, you feel? Um, I think that, you know what? I sort of disagree that we didn't have a conclusion because Russ upped his world, like unofficially up the world uh -huh. record. And Sean hasn't been up to that. Like if Russ had um, had an off day was below 825, which Sean posted twice ahead of time, then you could be like, oh, shit. Um Sean is capable of 825. Russ did lower than 825. Maybe we have a story. But because Russ came up and beyond what he'd previously done, it almost was like, all right, I've I'm consistently showing up over what Sean has done, like you had said. So I think it was even if Sean, uh, the way it ended up for Sean, it, it didn't matter. I think I had asked, so that, that's my opinion. I think the rivalry is starting to turn. I'm on you with what you said. I'm, I'm agreeing through what you said earlier. We're like, it's, it's starting to get slip away from us. We needed Sean to step up there. Um, we're going to need to see something else. Now he has to not do 825. He has the best 843. And then we could talk about, well, now you have to do it 
when when Russ is there. Now we have a yeah. rivalry. I asked Russ, who do you think your biggest rival is? And he's like, for sure, Brett Gibbs. And when I go to world, he, Russ said to me, he, he's like, I don't know about now, but he's like, I think Brett is stronger than me o- on any given day, maybe. And when we show up, I don't know who's going to win. And this is Russ who's supremely confident. And he's like, and they're, and historically you were saying how you need, it can't just be one guy winning over and over. And then it gets like, are we doing this again? You got to up, you got to up it. Russ is like, we're one in one. We need a trilogy bout. And and that's the, that's the big, that's exciting as a this. sports fan. You what being you a, you, you're a UFC guy too. Right. Russ could walk away right now and be like Habib and just say, no one's impressing me. I feel like I've done everything I need to do. I'm done. He's like, don't do that. No, Jesus. Wet man. We don't want Russ to walk away. The, you know what I mean? On the flip Is this side, an official making... announcement? No. <laughs> on the flip side, you're making it sound like, you know, Conor McGregor breaks his ankle or leg. And he's like, it's not over yet. So That's like, Sean. You know, <laughs> Sean, oh God, it's not I didn't over. even think of it that way. That is a very similar type of situation. The, 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 dif- the difference is, is like, you know, for other sports, like, you know, Dustin Poirier is going on. He has to go fight other people. But even if Sean was 100% healthy, like you said, they went head to head and Russ beat him. You know, there's going to be another Nationals after that, another one after that. They're going to have to keep battling it out every single year as long as they're both there in the same weight class. Well, this is why I think Russ, if he goes to Worlds, it's it's unfortunate with Brett. I don't think he'll be at Worlds, but... Um, I, is I Brett nothing. doing CrossFit right now? <laughs> I think he's... I think COVID is got New Zealand on lockdown, so he can't leave anyways. So he's probably just fucking around doing whatever. U.S. was on lockdown. I mean, realistically, no, they're, he they're an island. Training. They're way more like secure than us probably. No, I know, but he could still keep training. He's doing a mix in his last post he did. He was like doing some heavy lifts, but also doing like some CrossFit for conditioning uh, after that. Who knows? Let's. Brett, we... Brett Gibbs is going to be the Michael Chandler of powerlifting. <laughs> <laughs> what but, is... uh... Go ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to say kind of also snowballing on both your, your points where um, that's why Sabre wouldn't be as appealing if Russ is like, I'm going to with Sean again. And this we're going to do this all over again a few months later, like a rematch within three months and then three months. It'll be like, I prefer to go to Worlds. Even if Brett's not there, maybe someone else shows up. Maybe there's like, you never know in the world. It's like people come out of those nations that don't even post their national results and um, or they do, but not in English and they don't get transferred over to the open powerlifting or whatever like you, you just want to do something different as opposed to hey we did this midway through the year how about the end of the year we do it all over again it's like and uh, and yeah and um i don't know i don't know what the situation is for 83s at the world level but i know that russ is hell motivated for worlds he wants worlds he, way more than he wants like a money meet i could tell you that way more like that is his priority that is what we're putting all our we're going full force like that's going to be our next move like that is what we we want to do and um you know i was talking to uh isaac whistler i don't know if you guys know isaac but he made the junior world team and i was talking to him about it because i know like i know that a lot of the open lifters have sponsors and they're gonna take care of them for this but a lot of the juniors don't so I was talking to Isaac and I was just like, what do you like, what is your mindset towards worlds if things are up in the air? And he's like, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I may never ever get to do this again. Um, I would rather go full force and do everything I can to get there and make sure that I can. And then if it, until someone tells me I can't. 
and then I was like, I was like, that's a great way to look at it. You know, me having been to three worlds already, I'm, I'm, um, if I was in a different financial situation, maybe I would just say, no, it's out of the question. But for me, it's like, I feel worlds are special. I like going to worlds. I like seeing all the countries. I feel like that, like your flight is like all different countries. It's, it's special to me, you know? And then just people coming up to you and saying how they appreciate you. And they're fucking all the way across the world, but they still squat bench and deadlift. You know what I mean? That's really cool to me. And I like that. I like seeing all the flags. I like the, it definitely feels like it's a step up. Um, And I just feel like it's the, it's like, like money is good, but like, what is the, can you really put for some people, you can't put a value on the ability to compete at the world level. You can't like, it's just, it means too much to them. And I was telling one of my younger guys, I said, if you get a world, if you get a world championship next to your name, no, like very few companies will turn you down. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, Very few companies will turn you down. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. I think worlds is prestigious. I I like it, but you know, there's always people that try to put it down or say, we don't need it or all who cares. It'll give you any money. And it's like, well, those people don't have the perspective of someone who even has a chance to probably get there or they just, you know, they, they feel like, Oh, well, I can't get there. So let me just shit on it. Um, but I mean, Ryan, you've been to many worlds, like what an Aryan, like, what do you, do you guys, do you guys feel like, yo, this is the next level up or do you guys see it as just like a, it's just a meet. <laughs> You want me to go first, Arian? Go for it. Okay, doggy. Well, I mean, you look at like, so for Russ, he has to look around and hope, like obviously his biggest uh, sporting rival is is uh, not in the US, but who knows what's going on? Like, And then the second, like Tim Managati is an 83 as well. New Zealand again, who can go over 800. These guys aren't coming. It's a bit of a funky year. But if you go outside of the 74s and 83s, you start looking at the worlds, like, like for instance, um, 52 is like Tina. When you go outside into like the, like Naomi Alibert, who's 427.5 kilo totals or, or the past two times, the world champion was Joey Namani from great Britain. And then talking about Joey going up the 57s, the, the current world champion is Canadian Marie T now Joey Namani pulling 500 pounds in the 57s. Oh, by the way, you got Evie Corrigan from New Zealand. Who's like, like, you when you talk about the worlds and they're like we don't need them i think people forget like let's go up another weight class of 63s leo leah babwa to corolla gara who could possibly win a level up at 69s while weighing as a 63 these people are all at the world level like look at laya yeah Le- leah babwa like th- this oh, is leah. yeah uh don't worry we, we we fuck her name up too but uh yeah um, they're, they're phenomenal they're, they're all phenomenal lifters or, or keep going up jessica bittner and angelina evalova from russia um and and jessica obviously from canada like there are in terms of like the worlds you know if if people don't realize like some of the best lifters in the world like you can't be the best in the world unless you go to worlds there are very few weight classes where you don't have to leave the u.s to be the best in the world 83 74s you got russ taylor whatever but that's not the norm um you know especially in the women's division lately so yeah, like 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 Amanda, Amanda and Heather, no matter where they are, they could be best in the world. But for sure, when you go up, if you want to be the best, you have to beat these people because they are putting up totals bigger than you're going to see at US Raw Nats or they're the sitting world champions. And then you do have, like you said, man, 
it is not the same when you and Tina knows because she's competed at worlds and like it is not the same or you've been to worlds. Are you competed at worlds, Tina? I've only competed um at bench worlds. So well, that's what she was at 2018 worlds. Though. Yeah, you were at 20. That's right. I remember yep. seeing you. I remember seeing you. Um, and that is worlds. And look at when you represent your nation, you got USA across your chest. And you hit that platform and you see those national anthems get played procession before you when someone gets a gold medal in USA across the chest and all the flags hanging and your US coaching staff was with you in the warm-up room and you hear in the warm-up room clanging and banging and people talking Russian, people talking German, people talking Swedish. And you're like, holy fuck, here we all are. And your head coach looks in your eyes and is like, you're four out. And fucking, you know, your family's watching back home, staying up late because the time zone change and you're about to hit the platform representing your nation. If you don't fucking tell me that's the same as what's going to happen at a local money meet that like, that's bullshit. It's not the same. We all know it's not the same. And it's not even close, not even close. And in terms of the cachet, when you're 65 years old and you look back and people like, were you good? When you're like, I was the whatever, whatever local meet champion that stopped running five years in, or I was the world champion. That'll never go away. That'll never de- devalue. I was the world champion or I was such and such, like even current US Open champion, which means, you know, half of what it did even two years ago. Yeah. When you're 65 or whatever, it never gets smaller. If you fucking write books, if you do seminars, if you end up coaching the local fucking football team for strength and conditioning, you just say I was a world champion or I was a silver medalist, bronze medalist. It never gets old. Any kind of sponsors, fucking, um, there's sponsors that pa- jump on from other parts of the world. Like when we were in Sweden and a couple of the Swedish lifters are going to locals being like the world championships is coming into town and like local companies are giving me, here's 500, here's a G, here's whatever, because it's the world. They don't know powerlifting. They don't know shit, but they know the world championships is around. It's easy sell and there is money. And um, there is money made. Like SBD, where I went over last podcast, gives out almost $180,000 to a variety of lifters for all their performance base that they have sponsored. And that's just SBD. I'm sure other companies sponsor. And people are like, but the IPF themselves aren't giving the money. Bro, the reason why those companies are giving money is because it's a fucking world championships and it means something. So they're like, we'll give you performance bonuses. You know, like, I don't know. I, I, you would have... you. When you're an old man, old lady, you would look back if you had the opportunity and you're like, I think I'll forego it to go to a, a New Jersey open for $3,000. You're going to fucking regret that, I think. I think you'll regret yeah. $3,000 ain't even $3,000. You, <laughs> you got to pay the taxes on the 3000 too. What do you think, I mean, Tita? What do you think if you get that call or what's your thoughts on it? Or in, in area- Oh, worlds for sure. I mean, if like, I mean, Obviously, I'm not getting an invitation to the Virginia meet, and I don't expect it, and I'm totally okay with that. But, like, if I if they called me right now and said, do you want to go to Sweden, I wouldn't even think about it. Like, that is an automatic yes. But, I mean, if it was, like, a choice between going to, to the money meet or Worlds, I would, without a doubt, choose Worlds. I think we d- discussed this last, last podcast that we did. Like, I feel like anybody who would – decline their spot to worlds who especially has never been to worlds before it would be a foolish decision because powerlifting is growing like someone could just come out of the woodwork and 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 beat you and that might have been your one and only chance in life to ever be able to compete at a world championships and if you decline that you're you're gonna regret it that's my take on it you you talk to any of your friends they don't know what the fuck about powerlifting 
but you could tell them about the time you competed at the world championships, whether you placed top 10, top five, whatever in the world. And you just tell them stories about flying in, hitting the meat hotel, walking into the, the arena and your friends like, Holy fuck, tell me about it. Or are you going to tell them about the local meat in New Jersey? I keep saying New Jersey. There isn't uh, one in New Jersey, but uh, Virginia. I will, I will Virginia. say no, I'm Jersey. purposely not saying Virginia. Cause I'm purposely not trying to shit on it. That's why I'm picking a state that doesn't have, or you know what I mean? I don't Cause I'm not shitting on saying, well, that's like the only money meat that we can think of at the moment. Hence why it's being used in conversation. But, and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with money meats like that. I'm, I think the Virginia meat is a starting point for if they, if you're not going to be an international meat, then you need to have something like that where you are giving out money. And I'm sure the meat director of the Virginia meat is trying really hard to make it a good event. And, you know, I would like to see, I would like to see a circuit where a lifter could just compete. And like, maybe if they were good, that would be their job. Like they could just make, you know, 60 to hundred K a year somehow from competing. It sounds crazy to say it, but I believe there are other ways to monetize your lifting in the form of YouTube, making a brand, selling your own products, selling a service, uh, getting sponsors. You know, there's a lot of other ways you can try to monetize your lifting. Um, so when people say, oh, there's no money in it, they, for you, there's they no just money haven't in tried it. hard enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Arian, what do you think about Worlds, brother? Yeah. I mean, you guys pretty much covered everything. I'm on the same thing, especially like Tina says. If it's your first time, like some of these lifters last year missed their chance and they aged from sub junior to junior or junior hey. open and they, they lost their, their, their possibly their one chance. We never know. But yeah, I mean, it's one thing like, you know, you're a Jen Thompson or Dave Ricks. You've gone so many times. Okay. It doesn't matter if you miss that. Or one year, Susie but, Gary yeah. or Marissa but, or, <laughs> or Taylor. I mean, there's so many people that I feel like but, I've gone to worlds like a thousand times. But if it's your, if it's your first time and you have a chance to win a medal, cause you also get the individual lift medals. Like if you have a chance to get like a deadlift bronze medal or silver medal, or maybe even the gold, it, it's worth it to go and give that shot. And you know, you can at least come back with a medal. You can have it, the medal and the certificate that you did a world championship. You can put up in your room, you can show it to everyone. Um, and for beyond that, like, you know, some people say, oh, they're spending, you know, hundreds or maybe thousands of dollars for a hobby. People do that for other stuff. Like people will go to like concerts or like an NBA finals game and spend hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars for the weekend. Or like, let's say um, I had a buddy who did like the World Series of Poker, like one of the smaller tournaments, went to Vegas, paid like thousands of dollars to enter the tournament, lost after a day. And that was his hobby. That was his event. So, I mean, being able to go to Sweden or South Africa or Japan or whatever like that make it a vacation out of it spend yeah i was gonna say you can make a trip out of it too if there's ever a japan worlds that was that was bench worlds yeah but i need i need like i need to i need i need full power well i mean that's that's maybe like their their intro maybe they'll start building on that but i mean a lot of people went to that bench worlds because it was japan they had to go to two platforms they were not ready for how many lifters showed up but the other thing I was going to mention and talking to some other lifters, like we're all here from pretty big cities, but I talked to these lifters from USAPL from these small cities, like a middle of nowhere, Florida. Some of them, the first time they ever went on a plane was like when they flew to Belarus. Imagine that like your first time you've ever been on a plane. First time you have to get a passport and get a visa and everything like that was to like go into Europe and go to world championships. So yeah, for the whole family, like, like son, father, daughter, everything like that. So like, it's an interesting opportunity for these lot of lifters. They get to go to, places they've never been to they get to like do that stuff like you know flying and they've never been to on a plane before and everything like that so great opportunity like that and then for the sub juniors and juniors like um joey was saying i mean there's not as much money for them but 
hopefully it can do like fundraising um, and get money from family, everything like that. And also it can possibly look good for, you know, applications. Like if you're applying for college or for a job and you can say you're part of the school club, maybe you're an officer, you went to a world championship, you won yeah. everything like that. Extracurricular activities are very beneficial rather than, like you said, going to a, uh, one of my Florida local meets and saying, well, I, you know, got third place out of three at Aaron's meet. Like, it, I believe. Oh, that's, a- that's the worst. One of my biggest pet peeves is when I pe- see people standing on the podium with a gold medal and there's nobody on a second place or third place stand. And it's like, dude, this is 100% a participation gold medal. You were the only one in your weight class. Well, welcome to powerlifting. Yeah, but what if that person had to like fucking overcome cancer to get there? You know, you know. Oh damn! Okay, okay, okay. You're, you're, you're being. <laughs> I'm just you're saying. Being ex- no, no, I got I that. Know. I got that. That it's just the empathy I've developed from coaching. That everybody's gonna go <laughs> through something. Everybody like, if they if they're like talking like they're the shit, that's different. But if they're just like. I literally almost died this prep and like lost a family member and COVID and then they do it. Maybe that, maybe that gold means something to them. You're both right. Like, uh, I know Tina's point of, um, some people try to sell it as something they're not for clout. And I do Joey's point of, um, you know, some people are like, you know what, I'm not trying to pretend I'm a champion, but let me tell you my story. And it's my journey. Um, I want to double back though, for a second there. Uh, there's also a reason in terms of marketing, there's also a reason why worlds is good that like, like they're onboarding nations in Asia, huge, like China, when China comes on, there's a reason why John Cena hopped on that fucking video and started talking Mandarin. That market is a motherfucker. <laughs> all right. So wait until uh, some of these nations, like there's nothing quite like if you can get global, like you, like Joey, you had said, if you're on the world scene, people know you. And I'm sure people know both you guys too, teenagerian from around the freaking world. And it's nuts. And the market's much, much bigger. Um, I know, I know Russell probably of of the hundreds of thousands of people that follow him. How many people are outside the U S they see him at the worlds and they see this and it's big to them. If you stay inside one nation, it means something to, to go abroad. People meet you in person, take pictures with you, and they watch the world scene. I'm sure they're interested in U.S. Raw Nationals, but there's something about like the watching the world champions clash, right? So there is a bigger market there if you can hit the global as well, um, just within the powerlifting community. Tina, you look like you want to say something. No, I mean, I was just thinking right now, like even when I went to Worlds in Calgary, I wasn't even on the platform. But I mean, I have, I had a decent social media presence and it was so cool to go out there. And I was one of the assistant coaches with Arian and I was, it was just cool to be back there and be able to like, I traded shirts with countries. I wasn't even, I wasn't even competing, but I literally like had heard about so many people doing that. I literally packed like all of my USAPL shirts so that I could trade with different countries and they're all hung up. Like I still wear them sometimes. Like, I mean. Like Sophia Waldemarson, I traded shirts with her and I was like, I had days where it was like my bench day and she was like a huge, she, I mean, she still is a big bencher. I mean, she's pregnant now, but like, it was cool. Like I would wear like my Sweden shirt with that. So I traded with Sophia on like bench days and stuff. And it's like, people don't think about those as like small little memorabilia opportunity type of things that you can kind of soak in when you go to like the world championships and stuff too. So yeah. Life is experiences, man. I think Joey's hitting up in a little bit, but like you drop five or an Arian was also saying too, people drop 5k and so many frivolous things drop 5k and go to fucking Europe and stick around for a week or two afterwards. 
life is experiences, dog. Go to a place you've never been before and just experience it. Holy shit, this is different. And then stick around and travel to Europe for a little bit or Asia, wherever you're at. This is life, man. What'd you do this summer? Competed at the world championships, met people from all over the world, went out to pubs and, you know, restaurants, like took it in and then hop from country to country, a two hour flight here and there. And then came back. Joey, what's up? I didn't have a lot of opportunities to do much in Sweden, but after Russ's meet, we did go. Um, it was just me and him to this. Uh, it was like a little bar, cafe, restaurant thing next to the water, and everybody around us is speaking a different language. And I just got like whatever their version of a hamburger was. It had weird <laughs> toppings. It was like sweet, and um, but fries were good, and you know. The drinks were very small, like the little, like it was everything in there is like very compact. And I will say Europe does pastries like way different than we do it. It's like big and like just great. So <laughs> that was very special to me. And I, and little stuff, like they had little scooters there. You pay a dollar, you put your card through it. You pay a yeah. dollar, you could just drive around the town on the freaking brick. Like it's like brick uh, streets next two, to the fucking like 2000 year old streets man those streets can be 2000 years old dog like this yeah. is shit we don't have and i was just going through the park the weather was great it was nice and breezy and like you know and and i was like i'm in sweden right now like i was happy i felt comfortable i felt you know turns out someone got jumped at the park <laughs> it was what me. it is it was like an irish it. team or something wasn't it it's all part was, of it it's it's an honor to get jumped in sweden <laughs> No, but it was life good. experience you'll never it's forget life it. Experience, baby. It's it was life great, experience. man. I was they like, good this healthcare. Is cool. You're fine, dude. Their subway had like three sandwiches. That's it. It was like, it was like <laughs> ham. It was like ham, like chicken, and like one other, and like meatballs, and that was it. And then, and then it was. We'll do a veggie, minimal. exact same sandwich. Just take the fucking chicken out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. So it's it's um. It was cool, man. So I definitely think if you have the opportunity, you know, and you haven't done it before, you should take it. And, um, you know, I just hope that whatever, whatever's going on between USA and I, USAPL, USAPL and IPF gets fixed because that, let me tell you, as when kids inquire for coaching and I say, what are your goals? I cannot tell you how many of them. I want to say like, in the past, it used to be more, it used to be like, it was like 70% would say, I want to make IPF world one day. <laughs> and now, now it's probably like 50 ish percent, but that could just be because the amount of people getting in are more like, uh, they're just learning about powerlifting or they don't even know what worlds is. Um, whereas in the past we used to have Gibbs who was online. So he had YouTube, we had Josh Hancock, we had JP Couchy. We had like all these OGs on the international scene that were big on social media and that was really bringing people to the sport. And now we got Russ, um, you know, we have Candido, we have people like that. So it's just, Candido's like kind of timeless. He's been around forever, but um, you know, it's, it's the, the dream of making it to the world level is, is here's the thing, right? There's something about doing an activity that you know if you get really good at can take you to something that you that that is super special yeah right um in everything in everything that you do you know like when you're young and you're playing basketball you have the dream of making the nba one day when you're playing football in high school you have the dream of well if i'm really fucking good at this thing i can go to the nfl it's something about that you know 
if I if you're doing that local meet and you're like one day I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make it to the world level it's like it's it's being able to have that journey and that path to this pinnacle thing I think is um I know it's it's a uh, like when you do well in it it's like a drug if that makes sense um, and I've seen smaller examples of this in um, uh, just like other things that aren't lifting related where like if somebody does something and they know that if they do really well at it, maybe even a job, maybe it's in school, whatever, they know that it can take them farther. Um, the next step afterwards, like I believe, I don't know about you, Ryan, but for Sheffield, uh, we had the uh, like the Coliseum seats, like when you're booking spectator seats. And like, I got access to that to see if I was going to bring someone like we, we were allowed to bring, like I could have brought Tina, but she didn't want to go. Um, I can't I, do long flights, dude. I suck. Like dude. that's the reason why I didn't go to Sweden. Did I was like 17. <laughs> no, I'm, she I mean, I'm that. saying, I'm, I'm saying it to all of you guys. You guys are all dudes, but um, 17 hour flight. I but, can't wrap my head around Tina, it. Like, I'm telling the, you, the, you the greatest, the greatest event ever. Nah, the flight's too long. Tina, you got it. You, you got to be like Mr. T on a team. That's literally how I felt about Sweden. That's literally the reason why I didn't go to Helsinki. Oh, but Sheffield's different because I could see the call the seats. The call it's like a, it's yeah. like it's like sports stands. It's like I don't know how to describe it. And I was like, I was like, damn, this many people paid money. <laughs> To come sit here, yeah. the tickets were not that cheap. And it was like, you know, over time, I would see the yellow fill up and people would just buy the, you know, because the seats were like oriented like this and you had the stage in the middle. And I was like, this many people are going to come watch powerlifting? I was like, this is crazy. And it was all like hyper super fans. You know what I mean? Like the people that are going to come to this event, they're putting up money. They're traveling. I have people DMing me. I don't even fucking know them from like <laughs> all over the place saying, yo, we got, we got a car. We were going to all drive down from some fucking country and come watch. Like it was, it was, it was like, I keep saying this. I, I feel like I'm this crazy guy that's just going around telling everyone Sheffield would have been the greatest meet of all time. But I'm telling you guys, it was going to be that champion to champions. What like one or two top lifters from all over the world. You put them in one meet shit ton of money on the line 300 Ooh. euros is different 250 euros is different than 25k you know what oh, i mean yeah. and and that was gonna be like uh, in my mind i'm like this is the evolution this is what we've been working for this is the next step up from all the shit that we've been doing all the everything that we've been doing all the years is is like driving us to this new pinnacle thing with spectators they say how do you make powerlifting a spectator sport I believe if you do it right, it can be a spectator sport. People will pay money to watch things. You know what I mean? If, if, you, if you get the right personnel, if you build storylines, I think the UFC, I know I keep talking about them, and I know Ryan like kind of got me into it a little bit uh, because he's so big on it. But like in, during COVID time, it was the only event that was going on. And I loved how I noticed one day it, I was sitting there, and I, I was just getting into UFC and I was only watching the fights that were like big. Right. And they would, and, and the commercial would come on and there'd be a two minute video, two minutes. And it would be like this random fight that's happening on the weekend. I don't know shit about these people. And in that two minutes from the start, I don't give two shits about this fight. And then after the two minutes, I'm like, holy fucking shit. I'm, I'm going to watch. I am literally going to change my day. And on Saturday, I'm going to sit in the fucking couch and I'm going to watch this fight from two from a two minute video. So it's like we can 
and obviously fighting is way different than than lifting you could argue that to the unexperienced viewer perhaps a grappling match is not as uh you know exciting as like squatting a thousand pounds so there's so 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 i try to justify like no there's things about powerlifting that are exciting um you know we just need to we need to educate the audience we need to create storylines we need to talk about you know talk about jessica and how she has um type one diabetes and how that makes her training super complicated and how she literally has to pay attention to every little thing that she eats or she could pass out and it just it makes everything cutting weight how do you cut weight for meats you know obviously she's a very like physically um like imposing like like the general population would just look at jessica and be like holy fuck like she's jacked you know what i mean you could talk about tina how she's had a battle scoliosis like her entire life and she doesn't let it stop her like there there are ways to do this you can make lifters relatable you can make their stories compelling you can talk about you know um coaches backgrounds you can just make you could talk about like you can make a story but we just don't have like i don't know if the usapl has that vision or ipf has that vision or the resources to do that i know spd like i'm i, I talk to them a lot and i'm constantly telling them i think when you guys flew somebody out to keiko to make that little promo video for him leading up to this meet i think that was amazing i think that's what we need we need to you know talk about how he's born with um he had to you know he was a premature baby and they didn't know if he was going to make it and he had this crazy he has this crazy scar that goes from his belly button all the way to his side and you talk about how like lifting is his life and he focuses everything towards that. And there, there's, there's storylines out there. There are stories to be told. There's a compelling um, aspect to it. I just don't know if we're promoting it in the right way. It's going to take a lot of work. There's a lot of, you know, and if, and if we have the mindset of like, oh, it's not a spectator sport, then we won't get anywhere. And we automatically lost. Like there's no shot mm-hmm. of taking it to the next level. And I think Ryan, you're, you're a part of that with your king of the lifts and just like trying to make things exciting and bringing the energy that you bring. I think that's really important and we need to continue to do that. And, you know, I, even in like the comments in my YouTube videos where like at the end of the video, I might say something that's like, I'm not giving advice. I'm just simply saying something about how, when I, how I first met Russ and how, you know, I knew that this guy could be something, but he has to listen and we got, he's got to prove a lot of shit to me. And then over time, he just was a really solid person. And then we got closer and then I built, he built up all this way and he's overcome, you know, how we went to worlds. We got smashed by Gibbs. I said, we're not going to get fucking hurt. We're going to go back. We're, we're going to just, I'm going to fix everything. And we're going to come back. We're going to have a year of full training, no injuries. You're going to come back and you're going to fucking beat him. And he did that. You know what I mean? That is that whole story. And then him to go on. And then now we're going to go to Sheffield. It's like, you can, there's stories there. And, and, and so the point I reason I said that is if I, if I say something about my relationship with the lifter and I might get one comment that says, Hey man, you know, your video was informative, but the part that really stuck with me was how, you know, when, when, like, I never, I never knew that my superhero that I look up to Russ could have low days or low points and, and him being able to come back from that, you know, really, really stuck with me and it motivated me to, to get through whatever bullshit I'm going through in life. You know what I mean? Like shit like that. There is substance there. There it's just, we have to, I don't know the correct way to do it, but we need to just like get that in front of people and portray that and um, just do it in a way that can get people to care and want to get involved and, 
you know, the same, the same way you get a, a girl that does CrossFit and like the cable kickbacks in the gym that doesn't know much about lifting to like see Amanda Lawrence or see Heather or see a Tina or a Marissa or a girl like that lift and say, Hey, they like, I really like what they're doing. I want to get into that. And now, and now like, you know, a couple years later, they got like a freaking 400 pound squat and it like changed their life. You know, they have less health issues. They make a lot of friends and things like that. So it's just, I think we can, I think Sheffield could be the gateway to bigger things. Um, I would like to believe it's still going to happen. It is going to still happen someday. And I think that um, who knows what media that will get and attract. Maybe a third party will see, holy shit, there's this market of powerlifting here. Like, what, what is this event? Like, we want to get involved. We want to sponsor this thing. We want to elevate it. We want to take it to the next level. I said to somebody last week in my DMs, I said, powerlifting needs a Dana White. We need a guy that just like relentlessly wants to like up the ante and build it up. You know what I mean? With the profanity and everything. Like we need that shit. We're, <laughs> fucking lifting. We're, well, we're lifting weights. You know what I mean? I tell you what, um, you made a ton of good points. So first off, I like the IPF worlds is, is like more like, like the Olympics, but I think the Sheffield is more along the lines where you're thinking with UFC. And I think they 100%, Benjamin Banks is essentially your Dana White. He, he's not going to come on swearing or nothing, but in terms of the guy with a vision for the promotional side like that, um, as well as the whole SPD team, but um, he, he's obviously the president, but uh, they do have a vision for like, like you, you had said about King of lifts lifters saying their stories. Fuck man, We've had some crazy stories shared on King of lifts. And like, I am blown away with some of these people's stories. They say like heartfelt, Holy shit from like people in the untested, like Joey Sullivan saying he was in a school and the kids were looking for a kid in, 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 uh, in Flint, Michigan. They were looking for this other kid, couldn't find him, pulled the fucking fire alarm. When all the kids came out, they shot him. And then there he is. And then like shit, like two, I mean, I've talked, I've had people come on here and like tell their life stories and some gut wrenching stuff, man. Like people come from some crazy ends. And if you think you don't care, give me that two minute clip. I'll make you care just like you were saying. Yeah. And, and um, the Taylor Atwood video or a, a podcast we dropped, that clip we dropped with Taylor on there just talking shit. That um, was great. That's what it, you need to do. It That's murdered. Do. It, it That podcast murdered because of that. And the shares of that video was like the, that was our two minute UFC video. It got shared so many fucking times and viewed so many times that clip and people like goat mentality, boss mentality, whatever the shit. Um, so yes, like I think you're right, and I think it is going to happen. And then you're also right. When Sheffield comes and levels up, you have to do this step and step on that step before you get to the next step. And then once this happens in TV channels and major sponsors see Sheffield, see more of these clips, more of these storylines, be like, holy shit, I thought it'd be boring. That's not boring. Mm-hmm. Now we go to the next step. You can't skip. You can't skip steps. And this is this is needed to get to here. And then we go up, and we go, and we keep moving, and it works, man. It happens. Yeah, it's just putting the and like, I understand that like, I play a role in that. You play a role in that. Arian plays a role in that. Um, like every, all the little, we're all the little like pieces that need to do their part and help. Like, like, you know. Uh, like what if, if I'm not pushing, if I'm not pushing, you know, my lifters to accelerate as fast as they are, if Taylor's not doing what he's doing, um, maybe the rest of 
the classes, like they don't try to accelerate as well. You know what I mean? It's like he's pulling everyone up with him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, like you wouldn't so, even think it's possible. I would never think what some yeah. of these individuals are doing are, are fucking possible until they go on there and you're like, we got to level up. And then this even hearing, crazy. you know, even just like Taylor talk about his training and how he'll be beat to shit and he's got to go in an SBD the next day, but he still does it and still overcomes all that. And, and it tells people like, this is what you have to do sometimes if you want to force yourself, you know, to kind of improve and you're going to ride that line between, you know, being healthy and being slightly injured. You know what I mean? And like, there's the, you're pushing yourself to absolute limit and, um, you know, it's, it's not, and it, and it is like, he's the only one that's doing that. Like there's nobody close to, to him. You know what I'm saying? So he, he could be Khabib and say, you know what, man, Hey, I mean, I fucking won. I won like a billion nationals and a bunch of worlds. Like I'm, I'm good. Like, you guys aren't doing anything for me. So I hope not. Uh, yeah, nah, that's, that's if, if Sheffield comes around, that's going to be hard to say. Yeah. I'm good for that. Money. I don't think. Yeah. yeah there's no know, way. I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to like, like speak yeah. for him, but but I was told that the you know Charles Okapoko Okapoko, yeah. right? Of course. He said he he said the champion of champions. He said he'd come back for that. Oh snap! Like that would get him. That would get him excited, and that's something he would he would be. You cannot for. say his name without me thinking of him on the bus. <laughs> he was lit. Yeah, he he was lit. that man parties hard. <laughs> he was lit. He's insane. <laughs> no, but but he he um he's a freak, and he said you know. For that, I might, you know, I might come back for that. So, you know, might, uh, I, was I say, mean, he people... was he was training at Russ's gym. I was gonna he say he's still posting. He still posted yeah. some stuff. And I don't. So... I don't think he's out. I don't think he's out. Like <laughs> well, he, he. I mean, he's 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 strong as fuck. Period. He's just waiting for something. He's just waiting for something to be put in front of him that's gonna say, okay, I'm really gonna do this. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna dial in. I'm gonna lock in for this. Um, I, again, I don't want to speak for him. You guys, like, you know, if he, if he wants to come back, he'll come back. But, um, I think Sheffield can just open doors. I think the prize pot will probably get bigger over time. I think powerlifting is going to continue to grow. I think we're still really early and there's got to be sports that were way more obscure and random than powerlifting that started out, um, that are way less interesting and they became Olympic sports. You know what I mean? So so there's, you know, we can do it. It's just, we need the right people in place doing the right things. And, you know, I need to just stop mentioning UFC, but I love when Dana says like, we'll get a deal done. Like, we'll, we'll just get a deal done. Like if we, if, if he wants to fight, we're going to get a deal done. Like we'll figure it out. So that's what I'm saying. I hope USAPL and IPF, I hope they could just get a, get a deal done. Like just figure it out. What do you guys got to do? Like we got, we got these, we got a talented lifters. We got a market here. You know, we know you guys want us like we we know you guys need things from us. Let's let's hand like there's no reason why we can't come to an agreement. It, it, um, I'll just throw it out there and don't worry about the UFC references, dog. I do that constantly. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, in terms of the USAPL and the IPF, no matter what, just to remind everybody, because some people ask me in the DMs, no matter what, US will have representation at the world level at the IPF whether the USAPL at some point decides, I think we're going to do our own thing and go a different direction, which is totally fine. Or they decide we're, we can work it out. No matter what that option will be available. Um, 100% guaranteed. 
that that is that is not in question. So if anyone's worried, like, what does this mean in the future? These hopes and dreams. Now nah, there will always be US. There'll always be a pathway to a world championships. And um, so, to, and I think at a local level, I don't think there'll be too much politics between the feds. It's more when you get to the upper echelon, you might have to pick a lane. But by the time you get to the upper echelon, you're thinking about going on a world team. You've probably picked your lane and started going. So I'm not too worried about that. It'll work out just in the interim. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you wanted to get into, I mean, there's a lot of lifters at nationals. If you wanted to transition to something else, but so I can talk about whatever I'm, I'm flexible. I can't say everything I know about everything, but um, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want to talk about homie? Cause I'll talk about it. No, all. just because we, I don't want to just talk about only 83s. I'll just go skim through it real quick. Um, yeah. 93s, this nationals was a big deal for Keiko because he won the last nationals and didn't get to go to worlds because the world got shut down. So we're like, all right, well, I guess we'll just have to do it again. Ended up being a close matchup. Um, although because he's the bigger puller, I was, I was like, and I know his top end strength, I was pretty confident. Um, and then, you know, so it was very emotional for him to win because I, I tell you guys, like, this is everything to him. Like, like he broke down like that because he dealt with COVID. He had, you know, he already family death like there's a a lot of things he had to overcome to make this meet happen and it would be it would be one of the most disappointing things that i've seen in my career if a lift because i've seen him from being ranked 14th at nationals nobody knows about him to making fourth place two years in a row to making first place and then two years in a row. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's to see him go through that, go through the ranks and build himself up like that and get to get to and get here. I'm obviously heavily invested in in um in his like success and like like I I am compelled to speak out when I feel like this man he posted a clip from uh from I believe it was from Rocky. Yeah. Where did you see that clip? Yeah, I love that movie. It's that was Rocky such a good clip. Yeah, it's that good. was such a good clip, man. That was like, he's like, I'm doing all the things you want me to do. I did everything you asked me to do, and you're not letting me work. And and he's all like, you guys. He said it, it, he made it really relatable, and it was such a good, probably one of the best scenes in movies. Uh, Dog, like, I love I, that fucking yeah. movie. I swear yeah. to God, I could get emotional watching. I've seen it 25 times. <laughs> it's so good, man. So it's you know. So good. It's crazy seeing Sylvester Stallone um, because I grew up like he was a he was a lot older, and then seeing him back then and he's still the same dude and he's just he's great man. It's just like I just feel like movies aren't like I can't remember the last time I saw a movie and I was like yo this is some real shit right here. Doggy, okay, I don't want to get off track, but I will yeah. just say this and I'll, I'll I'll put this out there and leave it there. Yeah. Um, Rocky won. From 1976, that won an Oscar. Some people can't watch movies from the 70s. They're lost. Won an Oscar and made Stallone's career best movie I've ever seen in my life. Still my favorite. And yeah. then Rocky from 2005, that's Rocky Balboa. And Stallone's now in his 50s. Jack the shit. Like now he's in his 70s. So he looks way younger, like to your yeah. point. But um, he, it's a fucking phenomenal movie. And he wrote them both and fucking, but anyways, we'll double back. Um, so uh, um. Yeah, mid your boy Jonathan. He he's he came on the podcast and told his story. Arian was the host for that one. Very heartfelt. Opened up. He got close to being an emotional a couple times. 
And um, it meant a lot to him. And what he's going through physically, sometimes you show up and your body's not there for a variety of reasons. Um, and that was one of those days for him. And you can't do anything about how your body feels sometimes. You show up and you're like, my body's not 100. I can't make it 100. But my will and my effort, I have control mm. over. And that turned into all fucking heart to the throwback to Rocky. He was like, it's not there today. This isn't going to be PR City Day but my fucking heart has never been more into this. I, I was still very happy with some of his lifts. Um, like I was so impressed by his bench to be able to hit that with uh, some of the way they were, ways they were calling it. I was like, his bench has improved so much. I actually had the stopwatch on, on one of Russ's benches. It was multiple, but on the, the most dramatic one from the time when the, he got the handout, and the handout person took their hands off the bar. It was 5.5 seconds Damn. Um, of him just standing there waiting for the you know side judges to put their hands down and everything. I was literally like, one, two, three, four, five. And then the pause was fine. It wasn't even the pause that was difficult. It was just the, you know, so, and it's, and, it, and then people want to complain about the, the racks or whatever, but it's like, me personally, I don't care what equipment we use. We're going to show up. We're going to lift on whatever, and it is what it is. You got to just adapt. But for for John's last meet was on a ghost pad, which was like a little bit more grippy. It's a little bit squishier. You can kind of like dig into it more. And I was thinking about the meet and what we might need to hit and where, you know, where I want him to be at. And, um, you know, I was just like, I don't think this is a 540 bench day, but I think he can get 525. You know what I mean? And And we just went with – like a little, I think it was a little bit less than what he hit last meet and he blew it up and um, he showed up. He, like, I always say to myself, like I could put the right number on the bar, but they got to lift it mm. and whatever they're going through, whatever emotions he's feeling, whatever cramping is going on, whatever is hurting him. He like, nobody cares right now. Nothing matters, but are you attempting to lift this mm. shit? When Tina put 750 on the bar, for the for my last Arnold, I was thinking about it and I was like, in my mind, naturally, you have hella self-doubt. There's great this is 750. I could die. Like, what if my knees give out? Like, seriously, it's a shit ton of weight. But I told myself I prepared for this. I've trained for this. I'm recovered. You know, I'm ready to go. Like, I know I can do this. And whether I can or I can't, I have to commit. Joey probably said, are you sure to me like 10 times when I was putting the attempt <laughs> in? Yeah, because and the day, I was I actually like surprised. Shit. I was surprised. Well, yeah, but he I mean, I think we've discussed it, was it on so a podcast early. before. It was but so yeah. early. Well, he also thought that his start time was at a different time. So they moved, I mean, it, they moved it back because that was when like we weren't sure if the Arnold was going to happen. And they just like condensed the meat and then they moved the big boys to the morning. And mm -hmm. I was like, what the you know what I mean? Like I got to weigh in super early. I'm a squat and I'm on West coast time. Yeah. So I squat at seven fifty at like West. <laughs> so it's West coast time and the Arnold's in the morning. So it's yeah. like, cause like we usually train at like five, 6 PM in California. So but it's like, we're already three hours of a time difference and it's in the morning. Bottom line is like, there's good, the meat might not be ideal conditions and you might have a lot of shit going through your head. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to just do it. You, you just got to commit to it. And Nobody whatever. cares. You just got to do it. Yeah. No, literally it's, uh, it's literally like in that moment, unless you're like, 
unless you're like a Conor McGregor where like you could lose five times and like people will still be super like on your side um, because of the things that you've done in the past to get there, then like they only care about first place. Like if you don't win, nobody nobody's looking at second place. A couple people will, you know, they'll be a good job. But like it's I cannot tell you how dramatic a win versus a second place is. It's just people don't want to hear the excuse. They just see the W. They just see the one next to the person's name so i didn't mean to make this about me but um yeah it was just good to see that mental toughness and know that i can count on him and a lot of my like champions like they have that aspect like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what is going on like john hack was probably the most cold person john and russ are similar russ shows emotion a lot outside of the meat but in the meat he's just like he doesn't get excited he doesn't get happy about shit um (laughs) But John was like, John could be, John could be dying inside. He could be, his knee could be broken. Something could happen. You won't even know about it. He wouldn't even tell me till after, you know? So, and he would just show up and do it. So he's. I I have never seen anybody get so hard in the zone on meet day than John. Like he literally just sits in the back, just is looking down, has his Jesse Norris was like that too listening listening to anime music and just oh, getting oh, in the keiko? zone keiko? yeah keiko keiko not okay keiko. I, th- I was gonna say that just fucking hurt me <laughs> no 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 yeah and like i just i just remember we put his mind you i had i had two attempt cards in my pocket when we were handling keiko because we didn't know what was going to happen oh, and shit. we won we won by a chip but I literally just remember going up to him and saying like, you're two out. And then he had his head down and I just put my hands on his shoulders and he just looked up at me and I was like, you have to fucking hit this. You have to hit this. That's how you win though. But I mean, it was literally, it was literally a chip. And I just said, I just looked him dead in the eyes and I said, you have to fucking hit this. And he just looked at me and he goes, I got this. I got this. But I mean, it was it was a very emotional moment. And I know he had like a million things going through his mind. But he I mean, number one's always going to be to get the job done. And it and it sucks because for a week after the meet, like because we're very, very close with Keiko, like we this is literally someone that we speak to every single day, every single day. We talk to him through Discord. He games with Joey every single day. And he just, he just kept telling us that he felt like he was, he was disappointed in himself because he didn't like PR his total and stuff like that. And I just have to keep reminding him, like you had one job and that job was to win and you did it. You hit literally, you went nine for nine and literally hit every single number we put on the bar. You went through hell to get yourself there in the bunker, mentally family deaths, like tra- the his travel was just insane. Like got canceled, had to like fly to a random place, get a Uber. Try to drive it, two yeah. And a half hours. Well, yeah, I mean, like he went through hell, but all all he kept looking at was like, I'm disappointed. I didn't PR my total. I'm worried that I disappointed Joey. It wasn't. Like he that. didn't care about the total. It was. It was like he, he's like I let. I feel like I let you down, and I was just like, brother, you did 
you did what I asked of you, and you and you handled business. And he he hit everything that was and I, and the I bar. knew coming into the meet, I was like, I was like, he's a little bit more beat up than usual, and he's very light right now. And I'm like, this is not, this is not where we need to be. And but I also tell myself like, well, shit, we're you know. I can't, there's nothing we could do. We've already reached the event horizon. There's no turning back now. We're going to get sucked in. Like we have to do the meet. And um, he did it. He did what he could and, and it, it ended up being good enough, but we're going to like, now I got him with the nutritionist. He's going to be on point with that. He's just, all the little variables are going to be hyper dialed in. And, you know, like I told him, like, it's going to be 900 kg from here out. That's it. Like 900 kg plus, that's it. You're not doing anything less than that. So yeah, he's definitely going to wind up being more dialed in because he, I'm like, I'm, I'm yeah. super close with Nina too. And I was like talking to her and showing her how to do like recipes and like my fitness pal and being able to perfectly track it so that he's super on point with his nutrition and everything. But yeah, I mean, Just, the, bo yeah. the bottom, bottom line is you won, you did your job. That's all we wanted. And you made it happen. That's what happens at nationals. And that's one of the reasons why we can't like compare the local level meets to nationals because who knows? Like, I mean, John went nine for nine, but a at a local level meet when there's nothing on the line and you're going to wind up being number one regardless and you don't have competition, you might make it, you might play your attempts differently. Like you mm -hmm. might, you might not be feeling your best and you might load the bar with a little bit more just because you want to try and squeeze a PR out of it. But nationals is definitely not the meat to, to play, play those games. I always tell people at nationals, I don't give a shit about PRs. I just, you got to win. Yeah. That's it. It doesn't matter. I don't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Like uh, if, if you can win, then, then I mean, but at the end of the day, they can tell me, um, hey coach, I don't care about winning. I just want to have a good day. And then, then I'd be like, well, we'll handle it. And then after the meet, I'll say like, our visions don't align. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at yeah. I, Keiko was on, uh, with me and Arian and we were talking to him and I remember telling him, um, end of the day. And like, again, 10 years, when you look back, no one will even know is was 880 good at the time in 2021. I don't know. Maybe it was maybe what mm -hmm. you don't, we don't remember what was good five years ago, but yeah. you know, how many times you win? Well, I won two national titles, a world title, enough said. I don't really give a shit what your numbers are because the numbers won't mean anything in 25 years. Like yeah. none of it, but titles, those numbers will matter. And Especially right now, because I've, I'd be very curious um, to see what was the 83 total five years ago. I feel like that's something Arian can probably look up right now. Ooh, like what, or 90, 93, 93, like five years ago. I'm looking ago. it up. I'm looking it up. I'm looking up Jesse's total. Cause I remember like, was, oh, like 20, okay. Take Jesse out of yeah, it. Take Jesse out. Dude. Joey, come on. Why? You're going to yeah. kill our point. Our whole uh, point's going to get killed. Jesse's <laughs> like, Jesse's yes. like that yeah. one, that, Jesse's that one kid that you have in class where the teacher grades on a curve and he yeah, the like, curve for everybody. If you look up Jesse Norris, our whole point. But Jesse, Jesse was like God back then. And know that. I was going to say, even just a few years ago, like LS is winning worlds. Like, yes. Do know, this. Eight, Go eight, back to 25. 820 won the world championships in 93 in Calgary by LS McLean. 820. And, the, and 2017, it was 827.5. So there you go. Um, so so there's a good barometer. That was winning world titles just a couple of years ago. It's very crazy to see that. Yeah. yeah it, that's like, crazy. I remember when Brett Gibbs was on the cover of IPF magazine and he was chasing 800 and it says 800. <laughs> and now um now it's 900 it. now everyone's <laughs> gonna want 900 Keiko, what total 
Eight eighty point five. 78.4 kilo juniors are hitting 800 for God's sake. Perkins. Yeah. Like, like Perkins hack did sometime too. hack did, um, eight thirteen and eight ten at a, back in 2016, which would still be top three, you know, today, which is interesting. But it in was ungodly of, back then though. It was crazy hack. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's just, it's just crazy how things evolve, um, especially in the women's classes. I feel like they're coming up a lot. Like yeah. some of the women's classes were like not, they were just so, they were just behind and there wasn't a lot of participants. And now they're, now they're getting like super hyper com- competitive, especially at the international level, which makes me wonder, you know, what what is that? Like, why is it that in certain classes, uh, certain countries have, you know, like France, like France is doing something right because they got a lot of strong lifters there. Yes. I don't, I don't you know, know what, what I mean? it is Go in on. the water over there. They got, they're wild. they got shooters, doggy. It, you're right. Internationally, the women's is um, exploding. Like, uh, I don't know what the hell, even Gara, the Italian, um, she's got the big in equipment, the biggest equipped Wilkes we've ever seen. Out of equipment is the world champion, 63 kilo world champion. In and out of equipment, she's a fucking monster. And like coming out of Italy, which historically speaking, like like the women are murdering it all over the world. It's pretty nuts, though. Um, and you got like Joy Namani from Britain pulling 500 pounds. Like what? That's that is insane. Is she done with 52s? Do you yeah, know? Yeah, she's up. She was on the podcast. She's up officially, and and let's let's rumble you know the 57s it's crazy i don't know man. yeah that's that's crazy maybe maybe I, I yeah i don't i don't know what the the massive turnaround the last couple of years in the women's division internationally is but it has been getting it's been getting pretty crazy and it looks like it's only getting crazier um but uh yeah i I was just going to say real quick, if we're going to, if we're done with nationals, I just want to say, you know, if I didn't mention you, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Amanda is like super easy when obviously Jesus raid and show up. We could talk about that briefly. Um, That sucked. This whole nationals was like, oh my God, big matchup. I'm ready to go. And that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? And I just, we had a surprising one with Keiko, but because I didn't have anticipation for it, it was like in the moment type of deal. Um, and I was just like, oh, glad we got that over with. But, you know, the uh, the Ray thing with Jesus, that would have got me fucking fired up. Baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was so I was so ready for that, but um, it didn't happen. And, you know, if it if it would have happened, I don't know how Ray would have showed up, but it turns out we had some we had some weakness in our you know our our grip, and we need to go back to the drawing board and fix that. Even though Hazus did pull 400 kg, wouldn't be the first time you fix someone's grip. Who else I don't know what that means. Um, Amanda, let's be real. We Amanda Her used grip to have is great now. Now exactly now. I'm just saying like. Amanda didn't have great grip. You fix it. Now it's Jesus's turn. Jesus did fix it. I think we just kind of went back a little bit um, because he is a little bit bigger now. So he's kind of adjusting mm. to his leverages, um, which is benefiting squat and bench tremendously. But deadlift, like if he has 400 kg on lock, even if it never improves from there, that 400 kg as a super is like so devastating because 
no super pulls more than that. You'll be the biggest puller all the time. And you'll, you know what I mean? You'll always be able to go last and kind of like know exactly what you need. He may not even need to pull that. So I, I, I really want him to pull 903 one day in a meet. Um, that would be sick. I don't know if has any raw lifter drug tested pulled 900 before Mark Henry, the, the, the guy from Shit. WWE sexual yeah. chocolate. If you're going to yeah. beat anybody's record, beat Mark Henry's. That'd be fucking fantastic. I, if that ha- dude, I, I, I mean, I always tell Jesus and he knows like we're in a very fortunate position and we have an opportunity to do some things that have never been done before. And if we stay healthy with your youth and everything, and we just dial in, I think, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be good. So we just need to be on top of that. And, um, but one day, you know, hopefully Ray's healthy now, hopefully he's like good to go. And, um, I don't know when that showdown will ever be, but that is one that is out there and it'll be good to hopefully it's just crazy to even be in that situation. Like Ray Williams has always just been like this, super like unattainable figure and to be in a showdown with that is like how did i get here <laughs> you know what i mean like ray is like timeless ray is like the ray is like our poster boy like he's like you know what i mean so um it's just you know and then and then and then him like matt gary being in his corner and how when i first came to usapl matt gary taught me a lot of stuff and you know, it was just like, it was just like to meet, to beat, to, to be in that situation. It would have been, um, it would have been crazy. So, and for Matt to come up to me and like, say, Hey man, like we're really looking forward to a showdown, but like, you know, he, he, he got sick and just gave me some more details and, you know, it was like, it was good to see Matt. I had seen Matt in, um, like two years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dude, it's so, it's so crazy. I still can't believe that 2020 just was skipped. we we just missed a year but uh you're right it is true it's ray ray's been around um i think he was at every single world championships was he i don't know if he's in the raw cup 2012 i know he's 2013 he won his first nationals was 2013 his first world was 2014 Okay, so there you go, two, 2014. So then, so a long time anyways, and Matt, since fucking, you know. Forever. Forever. So you're right. Like, those are two icons you could have went head-to-head with, um, and it would have been a great storyline. You know what I mean? Like, is, are they ready mm-hmm. to pass a torch, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a, yeah, what do you, like you were talking, sometimes um, the storyline is the two guys and also the coaching as well. Like, you know, historically speaking, this guy's coming from there, this guy's coming from there, and like, dynasties are clashing it's good it's good storyline but it's not meant to be hopefully it doesn't lose steam the longer um you know it's been because now like the closer it was to ray having been the man but after ray like bombed and then jesus start like took over that monster total and now that jesus is in the pole position ray's always going to be ray but the longer it stays like this until they clash it's like we're getting a little further and further away. I, I you know, we haven't it's seen going like Ray. this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we haven't seen Ray in in a while now, so so it loses a little bit unless Ray comes back as an absolute. I don't know. Evil. I think I think uh, I think Ray might be if Ray does his best. I mean, we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. If Ray, I was gonna if say, Ray, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. No, I was gonna say it could be interesting because, like you know, Matt thought Ray's training was going well and he was going to be on point for national. We don't know what level, but you know, he only lost a little bit of time. 
while he had, you know, the COVID and dealing with the symptoms and getting back to training. But now he has, you know, maybe six, nine, 12 months, depending on nationals is to prepare for it. So maybe it's time now even more than before to build up his numbers further and, uh, you know, get back to where he was as far as his best. So it could be interesting. Uh, Do we not know what nationals is? No, they haven't announced anything yet. Oh, snap. I wouldn't say I wonder great... where it's going to be. Yeah. Or, yeah. In Canada. Please, please, say please, <laughs> please bring our nationals somewhere on the West Coast for once. Like, uh, we've literally, we've gone to the East Washington. Coast like every we single Washington. time. We had, we yeah, had Washington. We had Lombard, which was in the middle. And then for Equip, they were going to do Vegas last year before it got canceled. So they were getting, you know, somewhat I'm in down for area. Vegas. I'm down for Vegas. I have no idea what meat director would be in California that would be willing to do it. I remember when Tina Tornado. when I went to no, but it'll be when I went to when I went to nationals. Well, our nationals is always going to wind up being at it like a big hotel or like some sort of venue. But I remember when I went to nationals a couple of years ago, Paulie Steinman was telling me that he wanted me to host our West Coast regionals, and I was like. no absolutely not like there is no way that i would be able to put together an event that would be like 300 lifters that's like that that would take like months of preparation you need a staff or well i mean that's why that's why you submit the proposals like you know nine months out for regionals and uh, a year or two out for you know nationals and worlds so you have time to prepare for it yeah, but I I have way too much on my but, plate to be able but, to do something like but that. USA, but USAPL will run it just like they ran in Daytona. The the problem with going out further and further from where their equipment is and where Luis's equipment is is just taking everything over there. Yeah. But I think they announced or something that they're going to be combining a lot of the national they, they, level they, meets now, right? They combined the high school and collegiate. It's going to be in Lombard in March. And they're going to keep this same format that they had for Daytona with the bench open masters and youth. They just haven't said where or when yet. Got it. Hmm. And just to clarify about the Ray situation, I was going to say, um, it's not so much. I think Ray's out of his prime. He could come back like a monster. I think they'll, I was just thinking um, if we haven't seen him compete in two years, now we're going further, deeper still. Um, that's when it starts to be like, man, we haven't seen him like three years. It becomes harder. If he comes back and has an interim, uh, just a meet where he just smokes it, it reminds everybody, yeah, I'm, yeah, this is what I got. Then it'll be like, oh shit, son. But in if it's been two years and you know, like or or more now, then it that's what I mean. It's like a fighter who hasn't fought to use the UFC thing. My man Joey will will appreciate if a guy hasn't fought like two and a half years, harder to sell the fight. Unless you're fucking cool. Hey, yeah. look at what look what Tate just did. Tate was out for five years. That's true. But, the, a, but they gave her a retiring kids and person. Everything. They gave yeah. her a retiring person. Like they gave her, you know what I mean? It's they didn't like, give her Jesus. They didn't give her the number one person. <laughs> they didn't, give, they her didn't give her Holly Holmes. That's right. They gave her Holly Holmes. That's right. Ray has to qualify though. So and we'll see if he has to, if he goes all out or for just like does the basic hit the qualifying total. But he has to do some meet to qualify for nationals. So we'll get a, a feel for him maybe end of this year or maybe early next year. Hopefully. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's going to have to requalify if it's been that long. Yeah. I think he's doing Sabre. Is he not on the roster for Sabre? Uh, I don't know if he was on the roster, but he could maybe ask him, and I'm sure he'll, he'll put him in there. Um, do you think Hezu should have to ask for that? Oh, I was talking oh. about Ray. According to, according no, to Ray's him. Ray's on the roster. Ray's on he the is? Roster. Yeah. So maybe we'll – so we'll see Ray – 
I mean, they used they used his name in the marketing, so I'm assuming he is. I was going to say, according to him, those lifters that are not, I guess, on the top IPF points would just have to email him a request. So since the 120 pluses, you know, get so hurt by the IPF points, I'm assuming Matt or Ray emailed Sabre about getting Ray in there. So you'd have to do the same for Jesus. Is Dennis on there? I don't think so. I know he's posting about it, but I don't think he's interested in doing it because he was saying he had to be so ridiculously above the world record in order to compete for the money. Like, if you have money, what is the incentive to do a money meet, you know? Also, like, so what are your thoughts on it? Because if he... Worlds. No, my thoughts on it? <laughs> yeah. My thoughts on it? Um, no, I think I think we need meets like that. I think we need meets like that because hopefully it'll inspire... I mean, who knows? Do you remember the, uh, I believe it was the Kern? The prize pool was like 40 grand and then 10 grand and then it went down. And then over time, it just got less and less. Maybe Sabre runs this meet and he goes, wow, running these meets are a colossal waste of money. I don't want to do this again. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, but I think we need stuff like that. I don't know where the money comes from. Um, I... I feel we're talking about someone that I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about this Sabre person, but you guys keep saying his name. But um, I think if I think I like I like where the head is at. Like, okay, money meet top lifters, almost like a Sheffield format. But Sheffield had a separate prize pool, knowing that the formula does not treat big boys right. Mm-hmm. So there was a prize for the biggest total of the meet. There was a prize for, you know, things that things that would give big boys incentives, right? So I remember looking at the Sheffield prize pool and I told I told uh, whoever I had to tell, I said, hey, isn't it weird that like biggest total of the meet, obviously there's only one person that's gonna win that and it's gonna be Ray. And and he's like he's like, Yeah. That's that's the incentive for him. That's so, exactly. It's like that's um, right. That's exactly right, young man. <laughs> so so it made sense. So I get it. But I think uh, no formula is perfect. So no matter what meet what the meet director chooses, someone's gonna get screwed. Um, which Dennis is right. There's no incentive for big boys to lift if they at the way things are right now, big boys just get screwed. Like if Ray has to total three thousand to beat Taylor like what is that like you know what i mean um what is the point of lifting but um i don't know there could be other reasons maybe clout maybe attention i think i think we need more meets like that i think we just need to any little prize you can give to give back to lifters is good it's not a bad thing i just think when you come out with these meets you just have to be very clear and have well thought out like qualifications for the meet how prizes are going to be breaking broken down, listen to people's feedback, adapt, get better over time, um, give a true pathway for people that one day want to aspire to do your meet, um, like a true path to get there. So, you know, I don't know if you guys ever remember raw unity, but there was this meet called raw unity and it was like all the top, you know, lifters enhanced or not. And there was a total for it and you had to have the total and you had to submit your stuff and you would compete at this big meet. And I, I think this Virginia meet might be able to be something that's like that, where if you have a total for it, you know, um, you can compete at the meet. Maybe they do a multi-day thing and the final day is just the top 28 lifters in the country. You know what I, you know what I mean? Just make it best of the best. Um, 
So you have all these days promoting essentially the last day. So, or, or, or maybe you keep it three days. So people, when they travel, they can kind of stick around and you have a lot of people there and create an atmosphere. I don't know. So I'm just throwing stuff out. I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Um, but I just think, like you said, like it's not most incentivized thing for big boys. And, um, like like I said, there's no perfect formula, and hopefully down the road there's one that can accommodate everyone. But it's kind of difficult to say like, who's a better fighter, Kamara Usman or uh, Khabib? You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's hard because they're different weight classes. Like uh, George St. Pierre, Khabib. You know what I mean? It's like, can they both be the best? Like you know what I mean? John Jones. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you? Who's the best quarterback of all time? And that that one's obvious, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just hard. It's just hard to compare between weight classes. I also don't understand the men versus women thing. Like, how do you devise a formula that could even like do that? But I understand this formula and I understand why it is what it is. You're, you're doing it based on like how good you are in comparison to your class, um, which comes up with a number and that number can, can say like this person is way better than their class than this person therefore this person's stronger than this person because that's and that's that's one way to do it so uh, i don't think it's a bad thing i just think it can improve and it will it will probably improve over time it so, may it might be um, a situation where you know you had said earlier there's only so many times we could have the same people clashing over and over over the course of of like a year when strength is going to be minimally changed so it could be like exhausting and people like, okay, you, you can't like a hockey game could change drastically, but I don't want to see Sean versus Russ four times a year in my calendar year. Cause you will wear me out within like the fuck by the third time. I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> you know I'm like, I think we're good for right now. Uh, but to your point, maybe Saber does this uniquely. The big boys don't get a lot of shine men versus women's as well, but it's very unique. And then Later on in the year, ah, well, we do have a big boy show though. And, um, you know, they, so maybe this is how Sabre's like, well, you know what? Let's not try to do everything with one meat. Let's do this one, murder it, have high level production. Um, and I heard his, I don't know much about him either personally, but I heard his production is very high level, uh, you know, both live and on the stream. So then he murders that. And then later on, it actually opens up the door. Ah, you didn't think I'd love for the big boys? Watch this. And it's all the big boys and whatever. And then, ah, you know how you wanted to see head to head, no formula? Guess what? And like, you know, maybe, maybe it actually opens up the door, you know, for three or four meets throughout the year. And you actually will tune in because they're actually all different. And because if you did it, they're all the same formula, same in three, four times a year. Like you're going to, you're going to exhaust your fans. They're going to be like, right. yeah. Like what if the top lifters, uh, you know, are the same people all the time? You know what I mean? You'll exhaust your fans watching it. You, they, they're not going to see it over and over. Like that's I don't something wanna... I didn't think about. That's something I didn't think about. Um, you know, the UFC can make an event and then make the main event anybody. It doesn't have to be the same people, you know, so. Dog, I already don't want to see Poirier and fucking Connor again. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. You know what I mean? You can't keep doing this. You can't keep bringing them out over and over in the same calendar year. Yeah. It doesn't work. But um... Dustin said it's going to happen on the sidewalk then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. We'll see. But did you, uh, did you watch it? Did you watch the yeah. post-fight interview? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna happen on the side. I know. <laughs> yeah, he said if they don't, it's not over. He goes if if it doesn't happen in in the octagon, it's it'll happen on the sidewalk. 
we so. got some we got some juicy quotes out of that. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. What are your thoughts, Tina, about you know Saber and and um, how you know based off of formula, it's men, women's big boys aren't going to get a lot because of formula, but maybe the next. I mean, one I do. think the smartest way for them to have approached it is to make the prize pool smaller and split it between lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight. I think that's what the the smartest option would be, but I mean, it's it's their meat; they can run it however they want. But I mean, it just sucks because I feel like you have big boys like Dennis, who has kind of expressed that he doesn't want to do it. Jesus didn't even wind up getting an invite. Ray had to potentially ask to to do it, and it's like you have these big name lifters that are either world's level contenders or have gone to worlds and have become champions who don't even want to do it. So you're taking all that viewership potentially away because you might have, there's, there's plenty of people that are huge fans of Ray. I mean, you're taking a lot of viewership away from that. If like, let's say Ray wasn't going to wind up doing it, if it was strictly invitation only and you couldn't ask to do it, but I mean, there's going to be more of an incentive for them to do it. If there's more of an opportunity to win money and then just doing it split that way it would wind up being more fair but i mean i i don't know why they chose to to go this route because they're they're taking viewership and stuff out of it by by eliminating people that will not want to do the meet because of that so yeah maybe maybe they'll have plans for number two later on that'll be like 120 up focus and we have dennis versus jesus versus ray versus like i mean that'd be and, and they don't have to worry about a national team because it's a money meet. So Dennis could be like, fuck it, I'll go a heavyweight if I'm not giving up a possible. But but if you think about it too, it's like this is getting hyped up where it's going to probably have really good production and you might wind up draining the meet directors. Like we we just mentioned it right now too. Like let's say, let's say they host this event and it winds up being way more difficult of an event to host than what they anticipated. It may wind up being a one and done thing mm. and they may wind up not doing it again. And then it's like, do they really want to put on an event like this multiple times a year? Will the money, will the money pool wind up being a lot smaller because then it's going to have to get divided into two, two meets instead of a once a year type of thing. Personally, I think it would probably be way better if they did it once a year and then got it all evenly like distributed between lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight. You're right. Yeah. Cause like, cause yeah, like, cause for me, yeah. I mean, the production does look, look great. If it is, if it is the same meat that I, that I think I've seen, like it, they had like better production than nationals said. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I think that it should have been split that way, but Hopefully it works yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I have no idea the funding or like um, how long he could bleed before it starts being too much. Or if it's not as case of there's, I mean, there's always a, a limit. So I, I have absolutely no idea. I hope for the best. Yeah. And who, <laughs> and who knows maybe if, if it is, if it is money that's coming from like sponsors and stuff like that too, maybe it doesn't get as much of a viewership as they would have anticipated. And then you have sponsors that might wind up pulling out which then is going to make the prize pool a lot smaller, which then might lower the incentive for lifters to do it. Because it's like, if you have lifters that may potentially be choosing as to whether or not they wind up going to worlds or a money meet like this, I mean, it, it might wind up playing out differently if they, if this winds up being something that winds up being consistent. 
or not consistent. Who knows? I mean, we won't know until it actually happens, I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, in terms of the storylines, have you, uh, Joey, have you and Gavin pieced up this whole funny business? Yeah. He made a post publicly and I talked him in the DM. So everything's fine. Um, I think stuff was just taken out of context in uh, the other podcast he did and they saw a headline. I just wanted to make it, but um, Gavin did the right thing. So shout out to him for doing that. That's good. I think I'm probably, I'm going to have him on the podcast again. Uh, like at some point I didn't, he's a kid that also kind of came out of nowhere on was he on your guys radar did you guys suspect it's gonna be a battle sorry i used to coach him ah okay never mind i didn't know the whole storyline um because uh he somewhat came out of nowhere with the rankings like did you guys know it's gonna be a battle like this like i was actually no i i did not know if his lifts would be to standard but i guess on meet day um i was proven wrong or i mean who knows if that goes at the world level but um he he lifted well he did good and then we just had to be better and we were able to but um i think he has potential i think he'll continue to you know to improve i mean i don't know he's i heard he had to do a really hard cut so i don't know what the deal is with all that but um i uh to be honest um i like i don't really follow too many i don't really look at too many other people unless like other people put them in front of me (laughs) um so that's why like obviously i know sean so i'm gonna know about sean um i didn't know i didn't know like where gavin's numbers were at um because it doesn't really matter to the last poll right Mm. and i showed on that day why it doesn't matter to the last poll um you know and then who else we didn't really have too many tight matchups aside from that one um Everybody else just kind of did their thing. Um, I was more looking at Bork. Connor Bork, I believe is his name. Yeah. Early Bork. He was a world champion in the juniors in 2019. And he was, we weren't sure what to suspect. Obviously Keiko was the, the, the favorite going in, but um, you never know with powerlifting, man. Like, yeah, Bork is really strong. Um, I just didn't, I don't even know what happened. Like I said, I was like, I'm just looking at, I'm trying to hit eight lifts and then we'll, fi- we'll figure it out on deadlift. So yeah. for my own, like, for my own self, I do think about some things ahead of time. But it's just to ease my own mind. It doesn't really matter too much. What matters is getting the dub, you know what I mean? Like focusing on making sure you have the absolute right number in. You know, you can get paralysis from analysis sometimes if you're overlooking, yeah. over crunching. I don't, I have too many like people to like oh exactly i can't overdo that what i do do some mental reps and i do do some preparation like with russ i knew all the records and i knew what potential records he he would take and i knew what options i wanted for him on squat um he ended up exceeding all those he literally just like was stronger than he was so strong that it was almost surprising on squat it was like what the (laughs) is going on this is nuts um and that's always a good thing and it just opens things up for the future but um yeah i mean i think this nationals like i said it was like a build up build up build up and then we never got that like 
I agree with what you said, how we don't want to see the same matchup. We're going to need to see something from someone else to kind of like get our attention back. And it does get tiring talking about the same thing over and over and over like that. But, uh, well, let's talk about the emergence of, uh, Delaney Wallace. Um, we had a couple people emerge at nationals. Like some people always emerge and Delaney Wallace emerged in, I mean, he's a little behind, but this has been working for a long time and he got with Alberto Nunez shout out to Berto from 3DMJ who's doing his nutrition and Delaney listens. He's extremely coachable. He actually came out a little bit before the meet had a session here. Um, and he's just the most coachable dude and he hmm. listens and he kept, keeps his head down and works hard. And, um, you know, he, he was going through some life stuff and, able to overcome that and and show up and do it and i'm just super 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 proud of him man it's like i look at these lifters and i'm like they were not in the conversation two years ago you know and then i I look at my roster now and i go who's gonna be up there in two to three years you know what i mean like who's gonna emerge like you said you know Mm -hmm. so it is truly a long game it is truly a game that takes time to develop and improve and it's just it's just um it's very rewarding to see people get their uh how do you say like get what they deserve like get get the recognition they deserve and earn it you know what i mean because so, i i'm a believer early on right i'm a, i see them early on and i'm like all right yeah this guy uh this guy's good he's gonna be good and nobody else sees it and then when they compete it's like now you guys know. <laughs> so, and it's all, it's always great to like, like he used to have like grit problems and we would really work on it. And then on meet day, it's just not a problem at all. You know what I mean? That just shows me they're a gamer that they can show up and get it done when it counts. And Tina, how about yourself? Let's talk about this freaking. Um... Oh, snap the comeback. Yeah don't, yeah. don't call it a comeback. Straight LL cool J, but what happened here? Well, you, you leading into it. <clears throat> You were showing me some videos like, I don't know what's going on, but take a look at this. And it was like, holy shit, Tina. And me, and, it wasn't just me because Ariad also, after our podcast was like, we were talking on the episode and you were like, you guys are downplaying me too much. And we're like, we both kind of thought you were like uber I I really did not expect any PRs. So when we had the podcast, I wasn't bullshitting. Yeah. I didn't load, like I hit, 137 and a half in training one time on squat this entire prep and it was a grinder and it was high as shit like i i attempted to take it twice and it was like a rp 10 both times that i hit it in training and then i mean i'm sure people saw on social media because chloe who's sleeping right next to me is like my entire life I went through hell the last week. Like I almost didn't go to nationals. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I mean, what realistically on the podcast, I hadn't benched more than 209 in training. I probably was sitting at like 117 and a half pounds. I didn't know if I was going to wind up hitting that on the platform. And I was like, great. I'm going to have like my freaking fifth meet benching 92 and a half. Um, I don't know where that squat PR came from because it definitely didn't show up at all in training. <laughs> and then I, I died to try and pull 402 for the third time on the platform. 
missed it by a hair, grinded it for like three Instagram stories worth of video. (laughs) You got to swipe to see the same (laughs) day. Oh, she's still going. Yeah. Um, I, I pulled 391, which is great. I mean, I I feel like another UFC reference. I feel like Sterling with that second place medal because I I never want to win a medal the way that I did. And I mean, I, I said it months ago. You could scroll back, Ryan. I told you months ago that Andy was going to win. Yeah. I called it. And I mean, Marissa's situation wound up being really unfortunate with having to just pull a token deadlift. And um if, if she wasn't having to deal with her piriformis or SI or whatever it is that's been bugging her forever, I, I would have been happy to take third place to her. But when I saw you say that I would have been content with fourth place, <laughs> that is some horseshit. Was that me or Arian? I, I think that might have been Arian. I don't know. Oh, way to throw it on me. <laughs> It was Arian. But Let's but I okay. Well, doesn't I doesn't sound like you. me. I messaged you and I straight up said like, <laughs> if 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 I if I take fourth, I'm jumping out a window. <laughs> so you gave me I the mean, business. Yeah, and I mean like, and I and I went up to Jamie after the meet too, and I was like, you're still really new to the sport, and I and I expect you to be higher up on the podium than me next year. And I mean, oh, and what? I and I mean that. I mean, she, she was very close to third. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have like that, that big of a discrepancy in our totals. And I mean, I saw her deadlift opener number put in and I'm like, she's Mm -hmm. bluffing. There's (laughs) no way she's opening over her PR. But I mean, I guess there is a lot of stuff that she wasn't posting on social media and she, she had a really big pull. She had a big pull. So, I mean, it, it, it came down. It came down to to the last pull with her potentially finishing ahead of me. But yeah. I mean, it it it, came, it it played out the way that I thought that it would. I, I said it was going to wind up coming down to the third pull, and I and I'm pretty sure you guys said it too. But I I 100% did not expect coming out with a PR total. It was only a five kilo PR total, but that's, I mean that's big when you're this long in c- the game, considering everything. Yeah, yeah all things considered. You almost yeah. didn't come. <laughs> your week was yeah. terrible. You, you're for like, you, you were seriously posting on Instagram. Everything is going, going on with uh, Chloe and you, you were, I remember on the podcast, you're like, nah, I'm not doing any water cutting or whatever. And you were crying every fucking day. And I remember going, Tina, you said you weren't cutting water. You can, you're going to yeah, keep doing I this. Mean, you're going to come in. Under, I, you're I, come watered, in I water cut through my eyeballs for uh, sure. Week. <laughs> All yeah. week, but All that was week. stressful. Um, right up until like uh, like real close to leaving time, you're like, I don't think I'm going, and it was yeah. Like, li- like I literally was checked into my flight, still not knowing 24 hours out if I was going to wind up going or not. I mean, that was that was like one of the worst experiences I've had with her. And I mean, I've been through hell with Chloe because she got attacked by coyotes in 2018, and I thought she was gonna die then, and then. When I went to Calgary, she had just like that. That's when she had the coyote attack. And then exactly a year later, she went fully blind and had to get cataract surgery oh for her. And then, yeah, she she let's put it this way. Chloe is my second most expensive possession after the roof over my head. <laughs> so um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think Joey can attest to the feelings that I had also. And I mean, she's almost 14 years old and I had many nights where I thought it would wind up being my last night with her. So, I mean, my, my shout out to my mom for being a, a great doggy grandma. She did a great job of taking care of her. But like, I literally took all of her belongings, took my ring doorbell stick up camera that I usually keep in my garage, took it to my mom's house and said, wherever Chloe goes, <laughs> you put this camera there. And I was literally like in between attempts Jesus. looking at like the camera to, to check on Chloe. I mean, it was, she was really, 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 really sick. Yeah. Like extremely sick. And, and it's still not over. So, yeah. It's much better though, but it's not over. It, yeah. It'd be funny if you're like, um, when you're talking about your bills and how expensive you're like, and on that note, I just want to say we are accepting clients. And if you guys. <laughs> no, I would, I would, I, I would wouldn't do, do that. that. I would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, not for that. like a, not for sympathy. I mean, to pay bills. No, man, people yeah. will come. How are, um, one of the questions I got was, cause you also coach, right, Tina? I do. And you're, do you, someone was asking, this is a good question. Um, how are your guys coaching styles differ or are you guys of the same discipline, like coaching methodologies when you write your programming mm -hmm. and is it very much aligned or do you guys have a different methodology where like, you know what, I have a couple things that I like to do that Joey doesn't like to do. No, I think we're, I think one thing that I, and Joey could say I'm right or wrong in this, but I, I feel like me and Joey and I think flex as a whole, we are very simplistic coaches. We don't overcomplicate any of the movements that we do. If you want a better squat, squat more. If you want a better bench, bench more. If you hold want on, a better hold on, hold on. I need to step in here. So that I do a <laughs> lot of I do a lot of shit nobody knows about. And like there's in terms of programming and I I will say that a lot of it is like applying stress and removing stress yeah, and no, doing I'm that in, in a way it's not just like <laughs> squat more bro no there's there's if you squat more bro and you start to break down your muscles no no okay just so, up, so <laughs> when i when i say that when i when i say that i'm saying like we don't overcomplicate the actual movement gotcha gotcha yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah, i gotcha yeah i'm like <laughs> We don't, we don't variations that are like these sexy variations that are like, okay, this is the fad variation that's out right now. Yeah. We don't, gotcha, we gotcha. don't have, we don't have too, we don't have too many variations in the actual movements that we program I, I, no, for nothing, bit. nothing is off limits, but I do have a select few of things that I think are really effective. And at the end of the day, it's just about dosing stress, adding and removing yeah. things appropriately. Um, I I would like to think that for most people that programming is something that evolves over time based on the feedback you're getting from the lifter. How has Russ's squat continued to improve over the last four years? Well, I have a shit ton of data points on him mm -hmm. and I can report, I can look at all those different meat preps and say, we had really good results here. I didn't like the result on this here, you know, and then, you just you just like build upon it, make smaller over time. Like in the beginning, you might make bigger tweaks, but over time, you're gonna end up making smaller tweaks. And then, I think, um, what like I, I I'm like Arian Arian does programming. I I know he has good programming, and I I I've been saying this for years. A lot of coaches have good X's and O's, like what they put down on paper. What makes me unique is 
what am I able to do with someone's brain to get them to perform better? And that is like, I, you could give me a decent program, but give it like, put me there with that lifter. And I know that I can get a lot out of that lifter and take them super, super, super far. Eventually this, I'd be like, yo, this program's not going to work. We need to, I need to change it. But I'm just saying like, I think what makes me special and different is uh, it's not just like the X's and O's. It's like everything else that comes on top of it. Like when I think about rest, I can give someone a program and with no coaching and it's going to be nothing compared to all the fucking lessons that I have to teach them over time that you can't simply tell someone I could tell someone Hey, at this point, you should feel like this. At this point, you should feel like this. And then on me day, you'll feel like this. That doesn't do anything. They have to go through it. Yeah. They have to go through it. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's, there's sometimes where I'll tell someone, um, you're going to close, I need you to close your eyes and jump and just trust me that I'm going to catch you. That's hard for some people. That's hard for some people. Some coaches don't like to do that. They like to be a little bit more, um, you know, they, the lifter can see exactly what's in front of them and where they're going and keep their confidence high the whole time. Um, but I like to do things a certain way. I think Tina, like I, I don't really entertain certain things. Um, like if I think someone's on the team for the wrong reasons, like they just want like the networking or the, cause I will get, I'll get like, I'm not going to say her name, but I'll get a girl and I'll see like, she'll have 400 followers. And I'll think to myself, if I put this girl in my story, I know what's going to happen and she's going to have 10,000 followers in the next six months. And it happens, you know what I mean? So, you know, I have to be careful. I have to be careful with that because one, I'm bringing that on them. I I'm like, if 10,000 people look at my story, 10,000 people are going to see this person. Now 10,000 people are going to, you know, they, they could share that. It's just, there's a lot more shit that goes into working with me than just like working with me for that. You know what I mean? Like I have like some of my lifters will tell me like, if I didn't work with you, I wouldn't have met this person. I wouldn't have got this sponsor. It wouldn't have led me to this point. And then you obviously built me up, which got me this sponsor. And it's like, thank you for all of those things. You know what I mean? So that is, that is like an, that is like a, a side benefit of, of working with me sometimes. Um, that doesn't happen with everyone, but mentally, I think when people can just say, I really want to be here and I'm happy with my coach and they're like bought into the system and they believe in you, that is almost worth more than some of the things that you're going to give them on paper because the belief is there. Now, I don't work for everyone. There's going to be people that I just don't have a connection with. And then there's people that like, they've been with me for years. We barely talk, but they keep like renewing and they keep doing their training and they keep improving and that's all they want from me. And that's fine yeah. too. But and then you have the lifters that are a little bit more personable. They kind of become your friend. You guys have a lot of similar interests. That's usually how it is. We'll have similar interests or like I'll post something and they'll, they'll like talk to me about it and it's not lifting related. And then you kind of become friends from that. But, um, you know, I think there are some times where I make a block and I'm like, damn, that was a good ass training block. I'm super confident in this. Um, and then, you know, there's times when the, the lifters training doesn't really change much over the last couple of years, but the, some of the life lessons that they gain or the lifting lessons that they gain or how, how to adjust the weight on the bar, um, really helps them. And the reason why I said, no, I do stuff that nobody knows about is because like, 
I'm very open with talking about mental stuff. I'm very open with talking about um, like general things in a general way. Um, but I rarely, rarely, rarely go through. I, I've done a couple live streams where I've went through programming live and I said, okay, let's say we're going to make an intro block for someone. And then the thing is though, it could be so cut. It's so like, it's me. It's like training is simply how can I take what is in my brain and put it on a piece of paper that can co communicate to the lifter. This is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to do it. So I write training in a way that allows me to get my message across and in, in a way that's very um, digestible, understandable. And, you know, where, where I can get so much more out of them from like, it's, it's one thing to get the training, but all the other things that you need to know that go into the training, like just the lessons that come with the training, uh, what to do when you get in this situation, what do you do when you feel like this? Like, and then just having open communication with the lifter and them knowing like, okay, if I, if I run into anything, I can always hit Joey up. I think that goes a long way. And, and I think it's like putting somebody in that mental state of just belief and, you know, believing in the program and, um, it gets, it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like part of it is a placebo. I mean, some of the stuff is tangible, but like I said, I have people that really buy in and I interact with them a lot. And then I have people that I don't really interact with much, you know, they get results kind of in their own way, but, um, you know, I think for some lifters that are more, they panic when things aren't going well or, and things like that. Those are the type of lifters that can benefit heavily from being in a system or working with someone that they, that they really believe in. So I know that was a big ass rant, but like, uh, I think no, I like, I got a couple takeaways. Go, go ahead. If you're not done. Yeah. Man. I mean, I think, I think like, um, you know, I just, the, the, the lifters that I have that do very well, they like, they listen to me, <laughs> they, they buy in, they respect what I have them do. And after many, many years, Russ still says, whatever you want me to do in training, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I, you know what I mean? Um, so I've, and there's no pushback. It's just, it's just trust at the end of the day. It's just trust. Um, there are some lifters that like everything explained to them from a technical perspective. They need to know the why. They need to know why every little thing is the way that it is. And, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to say anything about anyone. I, I'm not. I'm really not thinking of anyone when I say this. But I will say that when I think about my killers, I think about my like just my devastators, my my John Hacks, my 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 Keikos, my Amandas, all those. They don't. They don't, they're, they're very much doers, if that makes sense. They're very much doers and like they're, they're gamers. They're ready to execute. They, they're, they're ready to handle business. It's not, it's not like questioning every little decision and things like that. And I don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's almost like a football player or like an athlete. Just go like, you're just going out there and you're doing your thing. You know what I mean? Um, you trust that coach is going to call the right play and you're going to execute that play. There's no, there's no hitch in the input. To output it's just you put in an input that lifter is going to kind of be autonomous and they're going to put out an output those are lifters that really um you know they have that mental strength to really perform at a super high level and i truly believe in sports that it is so mental dude it's like it's like it's almost like 60 percent mental even like 50 percent mental like it's so mental like you can have 
a phenomenal athlete that isn't there mentally and it just it's nothing it, it, it amounts to nothing it fizzles and becomes nothing so um yeah i don't even know where i'm going with this now. so let me jump in because now we got three points um because you had some you hit some good stuff and arian you, you could always jump in too doug i know i'm talking a lot uh as per usual sorry but uh number one um I know what you mean. I, you you broke it down super simple one time, like 2016. You're on the podcast, which is first off. Let me say it's crazy that half a decade ago we were doing this, doggy. <laughs> what is happening, is dude? Half a decade ago we were doing this, dog. Time um, is just flying by so fast. Like it is wild <laughs> to me. I feel like New Year's Day was like yesterday, and we're already in the third quarter. I know. We we I don't even know how many podcasts we've done together now in total if we do anyways I'll, I'll get derailed but uh like four or five i think it's man we were doing like we we there was a little hot minute we were doing quite a few um because i remember doing a fucking preview show and uh like five like 2016 and uh, it was charlie dixon i remember you were the one telling me this kid cuts a lot of weight and it all depends on how his weight cut goes if it goes well he's a monster and be twice the size by the time he deadlifts if it goes poorly it's gonna be bad and like he was a monster this is what charlie he had long hair the whole night anyways um i remember early days you telling me this is a in a nutshell and this is exactly what powerlifting programming is essentially i'm gonna tax your body and your body to get taxed and your body will be forced to level up and get stronger due to the load that I offered it. And then I'm going to tax it again. And then you're going to have to get a little stronger to adjust your body's go. Oh, we have to adjust. And the nervous system's going to, we're going to keep taxing and your body levels up and I'm going to keep doing this and record and be like, well, this is working good. Increase the load. How's it going? Going good. Let's keep increasing the loads. And it just like in a nutshell, this is what we're doing. So initially, if I got no data on you, that's what we're going to do. And then as we work together, we'll start like, we'll start fine tuning here and there and we'll start adding feedback, whatever. But he's like, don't over kind of more to the point you're saying, it's that simple though. Okay. It's that fucking simple. So if you ask me all these questions, why this, why that? I'm just taxing your nervous system, seeing how you respond and get you a little fucking stronger. You know, if you want to, why, why this, why that? Let's just fucking see though. Right. I mean, I can explain that and I have no time. Like I sent a girl 10 minutes of audio today. It's just explaining something, but, um, a lot of, it, it, it's just like a lot of, uh, I have noticed with some people, it doesn't matter what you tell them, they're going to always doubt themselves. And it's really tough. That's where the mental kind of coaching comes in and trying to overcome that. Um, I saw, I actually, I had to take the coaching course so that I could handle that world. And they had a chart uh, of like a bunch of different, like there's linear periodization. And then there was a, I forget the name. It was like, <sighs> I forget the name of it, but Arian might know the chart. It showed like, um, like the, like stress and how stress was going like this. And then closer to the meat, it would just kind of like taper down. And I would say with me, it's kind of like, we'll start in the middle and then stress will come up and then it'll come down a little. And that allows your body to recover, come up down a little and then there's a lot of different ways you can like dictate that those data points like how, how do you want to apply stress but like for example some some bigger lifters um you might be able to build up you know in a somewhat of a linear fashion for two to three weeks and then you need to pull it down so they can recover and then you might be able to go a little bit more and then pull it down so they can recover and then some people 
like really old programs they'll just continuously add weight you start super low and you just add weight forever right and then once you like get stuck that's when you take a that's when you you know take your deload and then you compete there's like a lot of different ways to do it but i think just being really flexible like i love auto regulation just like um i call audibles all the time i might write someone's training down and it's not going to end like that you know what i mean mm. or 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 um i might tell them hey on this day you're going to be you know you might feel a little beat up and th this is the audible for that day um and you can apply this to all those all the thursdays of of this block right um so you know it's just the way that i see training is like there there are some principles i believe you know need to happen like you need to apply stress you need to recover from that stress um and then once once you get a couple of those main principles down you can be very flexible and pretty much do whatever you want as long as it falls within that realm and you can be creative with it and i think in the beginning a lot of coaches are scared to i mean i know just from the coaches that were asking questions in the course um they're they're kind of scared to be creative they're scared to deviate from the textbook you know what i mean but the the thing is with humans we're so um we're so different and we're so varying and you might need to do things that may be unorthodox or not make sense in the to, to the out to an outsider one example of this is um for tina's best bench that she's ever hit or you could say most significant bench she's hit more now but at bench worlds actually had to work up to a heavy single right before the meet um the day before and then on the day of she actually was stronger than like i remember they called an attempt for her because i couldn't handle i had to be in the crowd because I, I don't even know what the deal was back then but they called they called the jump for her um and like i was like damn that might be a little bit more than she can handle and she ended up blowing it up. So she like exceeded my expectation. And it, never, it was it was not blown up, but that I never mean, happens though. Like I'm usually like perfect with it. And, I'm, and I'm I'm very different now because at that point in my mind, I mean, I, I've grown up and learned about how meets should happen now. But I just wanted a PR because jumping five kilos and five kilos for a fifty-two lifter <laughs> is a big deal. Like rule of thumb if you're not a gigantic bencher is typically five and two and a half for girls. Yeah. That's usually like the limit because five pounds is a lot when it comes to your top end strength. And I just wanted a PR and then Jen Thompson and Bill Hennessy were just like, you've already secured third place no matter what. So why not try and just do whatever you can for, for silver and I mean, I was just like, there's, there's no way I'm going to be able to jump five and five. And, and I wound up being able to do it. And I wound up weighing in like two grams lighter than Ukraine. And I wound and they only got their openers. So I wound up taking silver at bench. Nice. World. nice. So, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Even, but, but, I, but I have if, a video of Joey because Joey was recording from the audience and you just hear Joey in the background just go, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it was a weight I've literally, I've never attempted in training. I've never unracked it. I've never touched it before in my life. But I mean, it's just, it was just such an unconventional way of coaching and it wound up working out because I remember taking 
what was my second attempt on the platform as, as my last training session, less than 24 hours out from the meet. And I remember seeing like the other countries and stuff there that had lifters that were like three or four days out from the meet or something doing like their final training sessions. And here I am like 16 hours out from hitting the platform and I'm hitting my second attempt on, yeah, in, I mean, in like the training room. Everybody's different. And there are some people that if they try to do that, they're going to mess up badly, like very, very bad. Um, but with Tina and the way she recovers and what I had her doing at the time, I felt like it made sense and it clearly paid off. I have done this in the future with her and it didn't. There were some other factors that I feel like were at play, but, you know, so I got kind of got away from that and you can make different things work. You know what I mean? You're going to have some lifters that mentally they have like, like they have like no soul and they'll just do whatever you tell them and they will be beaten to the ground and they will just do it. And they don't care how they feel and they don't feel. It works again for this nationals FYI, because I, 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 I benched 190, like 16 hours out from hitting the platform. At least so, it was a little bit lighter this time. It was a little bit lighter. It was, <laughs> it was basically, it was basically my opener. It wasn't my second attempt, which I mean, now, I mean, 190 is more than what my second attempt was at that, at that bench rolls. But I mean, it, it's still relatively heavy. It's, it's still like, I, I benched 209 at nationals. And then I took 190 the day before I was hitting the platform. So, I mean, it, it's still, it worked again. I'm, I'm counting that as like a still very unconventional type of training. Mm. What I was saying was you're going to have some lifters that are very mentally tough that don't really care how they feel in training. This is like, like I would say Taylor is probably one of those lifters. Like this man can be beat to shit and still do it and get great results from it. And you have other lifters that are not mentally tough like that as much as they don't want to admit it. It doesn't even need to be admitted. It's just the coach needs to identify it. And they may need to be a little bit more uh they need their confidence to be boosted by something they do in training whereas like mm. for me i don't need to hit 750 in training i just need to hit something like like 716 715 and it's got to move all right and then i know that like if i'm if i'm doing 120s i'm gonna be bloated as hell i'm gonna have my titan singlet on i'm gonna have my xl spds on when i train in two x's I'm going to be fired up. I'm going to be, I'm going to be more rested than I've ever been. I know I can hit that, you know? So um, it's like a little, having a little bit of foresight. So I think the, my main skill is like personality, like identifying different personalities. And then like, how do I, uh, how do I, I don't want to say manipulate because it sounds negative, but I guess you are manipulating them in a positive way. Like you're trying to, get them to be in the best mental state they can be um, while staying objective, while being honest with them. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated thing. It's not for everyone. Def coaching is not for everyone. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I'm at a point where I always, I tell people like, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've told people before, I don't think I can help you. Like, I truly believe really like I've told, yeah, I've, because what they need is outside of my scope of expertise in terms of, um, like, you mean like chemistry wise, you're like, we're not meshing. Like we, like I want to mesh like you're, that is probably, that is part of it. Um, but more so like 
they have some shit that they need help with that I don't have the, the skills to help them with. It's just outside of, it is like a mental thing that needs to be fixed. And until that mental thing is fixed, like you cannot be a you cannot be the best powerlifter you can be until that gets handled first, because that is like a, that is a demon that you have to confront every time you get under your third squad in a meet. And it, and it brings you back to a place that you, that you, you have a nervous breakdown every time you go there, you know what I mean? Or, mm. or internally your self-doubt is so overwhelming that you have this, like, you only can focus on things that would like negative things. Like it's, it's so hard for them to focus on positive things. They're only like, you know, they'll have a great week of training, but on Friday they'll have like an iffy week, iffy day and their whole week of shit now. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it's yeah. just like over time you can try to address that. And it's just like, they don't ever have a sense of accomplishment. It's always, they could put 50 pounds on their squat in like three months, but because somebody on earth squats more than them, they, they suck. Yeah. They're irrelevant. <laughs> They're never going to be good enough. And it's just like, that's a hard thing to deal with. That's um, I don't, you know, it's, they say don't look at other people, but you have to really want to be like, you have to really understand that. It's one thing to not look at other people, but you got to do it, you know? So it's tough. It's a tough thing. There's a lot of, there's some like, um, there's some, I don't want to say any names, but there are some lifters that are very successful that I work with right now that um, like we had some stuff we had to deal with in the beginning and they were not, they were very hard. They were not coachable. They, I was told they were not coachable. I was told this person cannot be coached. You cannot work with them. And then, and then now they're doing great. So it's just, and, and now they're the 83 kilo U S champion. Now they're the host of King Lewis podcast. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what the fuck? No, <laughs> Why would you do that? No, they're solid. They're solid. No, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying they're good now. So that just, I mean, and I've learned, I'm, I'm like, at the end of the day, if somebody comes to me for help, I have no problem saying, I think you would be better with this person. Or to be honest, I just don't have the time that your situation is going to take, uh, like the, from me. And I think like, you could probably get better results with this person or, you know, that's why I have people that work for me because like, I know they're, they're all very different personalities and I feel like a lot of people don't need me. I can be there kind of like an overseer, but they don't necessarily need me and they can have a more affordable option with someone who better meshes with them, you know, that is willing to do things that maybe at my point in my career, I'm not necessarily willing to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's such a rare quality for a coach to have too, because so many, so many coaches out there now just want to jump on anybody that will, that is willing to work with them. But I mean, it's so important for coaches to be able to have like an actual good coach and athlete relationship because like, I mean, it, it's just, it's tough. I'm not, I'm not perfect. Right. Part of the reasons why Gavin doesn't, didn't work with me anymore at, at that time um, was because of uh, like, I believe I had an 83 kg primetime session and Gavin was lifting in the morning, the day after. And there was no way I was going to make it to Gavin's session, but I was alone. I didn't have a team and I didn't have anyone that could be there to help him. I believe we talked about it ahead of time because he told me, um, 
that he had got someone there to handle him. But the even though that he had like figured it out and got someone there to help him, I wasn't there. And that really bothered him. And I couldn't like there was just no way like I didn't anticipate the meet playing that way. I didn't anticipate like it was just shitty timing. Like primetime sessions are super late. Sometimes we don't get out of there till like 1030. And then I don't even get to bed till like midnight, 1230. I'm still doing stuff like and then I got to be up at six. It's like I'm beat to hell. Like I'm just not any use, you know. So and then I was lifting at that Nationals. I oh, think. Geez. I'm just screwed. What year you know, was this? Do you know what year was? Because some of those prime it times. Had, it had to be 2019. Because some of those prime time sessions were like, um, I know initially you guys are rock and rolling like super late. This is not 2019. That, that's but... the year. That's the year that I remember Hack like pulled like his final deadlift at like 11 p.m. or something close to that. That was like 2016. Past... That was 2016. Okay. I thought it was like midnight or so. Maybe I'm exaggerating. In my it own was super late. But the point is, um, like, one, I'm not perfect. Two, you know, I may not be able to give someone what they think I can give them. And I have, and if that's true, I have, I will literally be the one to tell them, hey, uh, I feel like I should send you in this direction because, you know, I'm, I'm like, I just don't want to, I, I don't want to be like, it's not even like arrogant. It's just like, um, they're, when 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 a younger when there's a younger coach and they're just starting out they might need the money and they might want to just like let them get walked on a little bit or do whatever they got to do to keep the person but when it's not about the money anymore then i think you know the coach can can and they really care and they're truly passionate can just say hey i feel like you'd be better off doing xyz and i've had lifters where i've, where I've said that I, I i told the lifter not too long ago and i said Hey man, I'm going to be honest with you. We've tried X, Y, Z. Um, I've done all these different things and like either it's not being done on your end or what. And I said like, you're welcome. You're welcome to hit up the, these people and you can see if they can help you. Sometimes, sometimes it's not even what we're doing. It's just the change of person, change the personnel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and that person like, I think I think from that interaction they felt that I was truly being genuine and they saw value in that and that made them like stay and they're willing to like oh all right, let me look at my shit let me see what I need to fix on my end because this guy obviously cares if he's willing to like lose a lifter over it um so you just got to you just got to like I don't know I wish I wish um <sighs> If, if 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 people weren't supported financially through offering a service that is coaching i wonder what i wonder how things would work like would, would some people still do it if they didn't have to would some people do it out of passion like what what would happen i mean obviously you know if you're good at it um arian's at every meet and that means a lot to me as a fellow coach i see arian at every meet handling his lifters and i'm like that's really important to me to see Arian there and he's always there he's always handling his lifters he like lives it he breathes it he's always in power like he's just very involved in it and I and I tell lifters like and, and lifters will know they already know this like they want someone that powerlifting is like their first thing not like well I got a full-time job and like you know three kids and like I go to school and I coach on the side you know what I mean there's there's, there's nothing you know it may not even be that they're bad at 
despite juggling all those things, it's just the lifter may want someone that makes their coaching the number one thing that they care about. Like coaching gives me fulfillment. Coaching puts, you know, roof over my head. Coaching does everything for me. So those all things come from like the more passionate and better I am doing it, like everything else kind of takes care of itself. And I think that goes for anything, anything that you do in life that you're good at um, and truly passionate about. I mean, you know, I think you'll, you'll be able to excel a lot easier in something if you care about it and you're passionate about it, as opposed to, um, you know, if you were just doing it for, for money and it shows, I believe you have to really care about someone and really care about their success to like continue to push them higher and higher and higher and overcome all the shit that we have to overcome and what we're in, what we're doing. So, um, yeah, that's another thing. another thing I like that you described earlier that I was going to say that uh, you, you kind of double back on when you're talking about passion is um, I like you. You described it earlier in this podcast. So you said, I have a message in my mind and it's how I convey it to you and put it out there and give it to you. And you sounded like a like an artist who was fucking writing his program like that. Be like, this is what I picture in my mind. It's on me to articulate and put it out there for you to take in. And the way you described it was like, that fucking sounded cool. And um, and you're like, this is me. This is in me and I'm going to fucking put it out there for you. And that's the difference. And I was like, that I like that. I like that. And it's more to it. That's, and that goes- and You got to kind of learn the language. Right. Like there's a little bit of a language thing. But like once you get all that, um it's it's you're gonna get so much more out of training when you kind of like understand what we're looking for and you know it's it's like, like i said it's just so much more than x's and o's man it's like it's the intangibles those, those go those go a really long way yeah um because if you drop too many people do memes on it but if you try to get too articulate with the language you're using um, it comes off not on purpose, but almost cold, almost like, like, it's not what I need to hear right now. I got you, but like, I need a little more right now. You yeah. Know it's I mean? not, or, it's not relatable. It's uh right. Right. And you, you the language, it's not even technical language. It's just like, what are we looking to achieve in today's session? What are we looking to achieve in the week? And what are we looking to achieve over the course of months? And a lot of that. Like, um, I saw this movie, I don't remember what it was called, but it was about like these, uh, these like aliens that had a language that was not linear in the way that like, we have a sentence that starts and ends mm -hmm. and the way they communicate is like, it is, it is like, um, it is like transferring something that I am feeling over to you it's hard to explain it and it's timeless it, it, it was like that like i like when i speak to you i'm speaking to you in the present past and future it's hard it's so hard to fucking i the human language does not have the ability to say everything the way that our mind can like like you can feel it but you may not be able to portray it and like it's like when you when you look at someone and you don't need to say anything and you just, they just get it. 
Like they just get it, and you Dog, can't. I you think can... I think we're having this moment right now, brother. Oh shit, brother! <laughs> Holy shit! Dude. I I, I want to mute these other two right now. Let's just fucking vibe on this moment. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Aaron have just been sitting here anyway. <laughs> okay, we're having a moment. I'm guys. trying to Google this movie. I I am uh, too because hold on. I think Jennifer I think, Lawrence might have been in it. I think it's Arrival. Yes. Son of a bitch. There it is. There just, you go, Arian. That a fucking a boy. Rival. Tina always goes to Arian whenever she's on. She always goes, I think Arian could probably like, find I, this. Like they, I don't <laughs> hey, I, I did that one time. For, you did it twice. You did it a few times. You did it this time again. And your, your boy came up for you, though. He got you this time. For the for the results and stuff like that. Because yeah. I feel like Arian's just so quick with pulling up her like, Russell does it, too. And I'm like, I'm like, Arian is, is my young Jamie from Joe Rogan. But everyone uses him now when they come on. <laughs> Arian could probably find this <laughs> he's our data miner he's a data miner that's right <laughs> but sorry joey i i know what you mean we're in terms of um it, it's hard to articulate feeling right it's hard to articulate like uh if you if there is a gift for it for sure there's charismatic speakers and to be a coach i think in other sports it's more revered and it, it maybe it's more it's too downplayed in in powerlifting but in other sports is very much revered like in other sports football basketball all of them the coach that has the fucking team buy in i need you to buy in i need you to run these suicides all night back forth let's go and don't question me but it's be when you stop questioning me now you bought in now i got you but until you buy in we got a problem so sometimes i'm gonna do something because i need you to buy fucking and that's why and like i know what you mean and that's maybe it's not enough in, in powerlifting but you obviously got it because i see I mean, you in the sidelines i've heard i've had i remember um when jesse norris pulled the win over dave ricks i remember jesse telling me that little speech that you gave me before my poll really helped me and i want to thank you for that and i and i remember that five years later i still remember that um you know it's or when like like I'll have a lifter go out for deadlift and something I say to them, I don't even fucking remember what I say, like stays with them. And they, and they'll, and they'll like remind me, like when you told me this right before deadlift, I like, I just, I got this adrenaline and I had to do it. You know what I mean? So I can't do that with everyone. Um, I'm a perfect of, example of that. Joey tries to like hype me up sometimes right anymore. before a lift. And yeah, he doesn't <laughs> like, anymore. anymore. Because I'm I'm just a very like silent lifter. I don't think anybody can say anything to me that would make me give a harder attempt to lift because I'm always going to walk on the platform and believe that I can do it and give it my all regardless of what people say to me. So there's been times before where Joey will try and like yell at me and hype me up and I'm like, I love you, but shut up. I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and give it my all, like regardless of whether or not like you yell at me. But I mean, at the same time, I'm not like a crazy hype lifter. Like, I mean, you have all these people that are so motivated by like music and stuff that they listen to. And it's like, I will literally hit the same number with music blasting or in complete silence. Oh God, that's that, not me. That, that's like yeah. a join the mania world will be like reading a book and like sucking on a lollipop and they'll say, okay, it's your Classic. turn. She'll, she'll like close her book. She'll go out there and they'll put the bookmark in and everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm just, I'm just, a, I guess I'm just a very calm lifter, but I mean, it's like everybody has a ritual and that's not me like knocking on any, anyone, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's very interesting to people watch how 
people go out for for lifts like like Naomi Albert like always like I hate looking at the comments because everyone calls her a freaking like chihuahua and stuff like that. And then like, she kind of like barks at the bar. Dave Ricks does the same thing. Amanda yeah. yells before she goes out on the lifts and stuff. And then you have people like, like joy who is just sucking on a lollipop and reading a book <laughs> and doesn't make a peep and just walks up and executes whatever it is that she needs to do. But I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how, how people are so different with how they approach their lifts. So, yeah. I, I 100%. I, I, it's, it's a, and that's the part of being a coach. That's like, you really got to find people out like what works. Am I just going to put them back further in their shell? Or am I going to hype them up or am I going to, and only through time. And then they also, again, once again, they have to buy you and they have to open up a little bit to you or it's like, uh, is this working? Uh, is this working for you? You know, or are we, are we okay? Thing, the further in the shell thing that's definitely a thing because there's people that like I had a guy tell me he just wants to be a big fish in a small pond and on flex he is not a big fish in a small pond he's a medium-sized fish <laughs> with a bunch of big fish in a big ass <laughs> pond so I told him so I, I told him I was like I understand and um maybe you want to get with the coach and come up with him and as opposed to like like you know some lifters psychologically no matter what i tell them or do they are going to feel lesser than you know uh someone else on the team that's like way ahead of them so and that might not be the best for them maybe they need to go somewhere else i won't i won't even know that that's something internally that you know they kind of gotta figure out and tell me like maybe 74s don't want to go to TSG because Taylor's there. You know what I mean? And I yeah. and I remember on a podcast um, where Taylor was like, I don't think he wanted his coaches working with this other 74 or something because he was the 74. And he's like, yeah, and I get that. And um, it's crazy seeing and hearing things like that because I mean. To show how chill I'm of still a here, by the way. I'm still here. I'm just my camera's off. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I handled a 52 in my flight in my session that I coach at Nationals. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. You were lifting too? Yeah. And you and handled she, her while you were lifting? And and she's a 52. Yeah. Holy shit. Shit, yeah, Vanessa Furby. She's actually one of my extremely close friends. I talk to her every single day outside of coaching stuff too. But she got fourth right behind Jamie. Oh, so, wow. but yeah, I mean, I I called her numbers on the platform. Were you stressed? Holy fuck! How did you stay? That, so... That's the thing. I'm just I'm a very. That's oh, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Like music and like like I'm just I'm so chill. I I treat the platform just like any regular training session. Like. I go to the gym. I hang out with my friends. I treated it the exact same way. This is someone that I talk to every day. I FaceTime with her. I, she's one of my really close friends. I treated it just like a normal training session, but I just happened to have been coaching her for years, and she was a 52, and Nationals only had one flight with one one platform, and it played out the way that it did, and she won eight for nine, and she got fourth at Nationals. What if the stakes were higher? Like, <laughs> I, I think if she, if she would, no, say, say, higher. <laughs> no, I mean, if it was, if she, if it, 
if nationals wasn't like how it was right now, if she was like on a completely different platform and was on like the same flight as me, then it would be very different. But it just happened to be so convenient because it's like no, she no, no. squats. What? Like, can you can you can you stand across the octagon and fight your best friend? Oh shit! Yes. That's what I'm saying. You can. Oh, you can. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you have to beat someone that you like, and there's a lot on the line, it might be completely different. If you were at this will first. never this will never in a million years ever happen but if i coached marissa i would still load whatever needed to be loaded on the bar that they would be capable of lifting and i think i we discussed this on the on the last podcast too like like if there was a situation maybe it's different because i i wouldn't directly be involved as the lifter but it's like, if I'm coaching two super high level lifters, I'm not going to play favorites between the people. I'm going to just make sure that they both lift to their full potential. And I, and I would treat it the same way. But I mean, that's, that's just me. I'm just saying, like, if you have to go head up with someone, like, you're like, yeah, I can I, handle I my lifter. I understand what you're asking. But your lifter, you're going to call your lifters third pole that's going to jump over you and beat you? If, if I thought that they would be capable of doing it, yes. If it was like super close, if I thought they were capable of I, doing it, I, then yes. I just feel like I just feel like, like, if you think about all like the top women in sports, I don't think, I don't know if they have that. I think they're more like, no, I'm going to kill this person. <laughs> what, if it's, what if it's Sheffield and it's like 25k, and you're like, yeah, you're like. Look, I love you, but Chloe's been sick again, and I got you know, shit's gotta happen. You know, like I don't, I don't think, I don't think that I'm like malicious like that. Like if I genuinely feel it's like it's not malicious, it's, it's just being a competitor. Sometimes you have to be. Yeah, but it's being things. a competitor. Yeah, but if if it was a if I if I were to win a money meet because of a call that I made when someone else could have beat me because I of of a call that I didn't make for them. I would go home feeling like shit. Okay, listen. Chloe needs $25,000 surgery to save her life. <laughs> okay. She's dead. That That's it. We got her, Joey. We got her, Joey. We got her. It took us a while. <laughs> We're both looking for the scenario. Okay, there we go. Now we can move on. I would, I, I would, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You you load up the bar and pray for Chloe. That that winds up being like a life or death moral. <laughs> that's right. No. Yeah, but that's for some the that's the thing though. But for some lifters, it is life or death. It's not, but it is. Like in their mind, they're like, they're they have like they have fight or flight response. They are willing to. How many times did Keiko say he's willing to die? Like he probably <laughs> said it like ten times. You know. He did. He came in a lot. I don't think I'm willing to die for anything related <laughs> to powerlifting. But are you willing to kill? But but that's the thing. For some people, so, powerlifting is is not what it is for others. So so let's turn let's turn this on Joey. What would you do in a similar situation if like let's say you and Isaac were the top two 120 uh, kilo lifters at nationals or worlds? Would you I put mean, in? Would would you put a delft in for him to beat you? Worlds? No, I would just have you. Ha- I would have you handle one of us, and I would have Matt Gary handle the other that's one, and easier. then uh, or Tina, and then I would just like. Whatever happens, happens. May the best man win, and afterwards we'll go fucking get a pizza or some shit. So you you wouldn't be capable of of doing it, like putting in the third attempt um, to, for him to beat you. 
like i mean it's so it's so different in that case i wouldn't be i wouldn't be involved but i would tell whoever's handling him i if he can like obviously if he can beat me fucking beat me and i would tell and yeah. i would tell him like but you could also tell whoever's involved if he doesn't beat me and i fucked. win 25k <laughs> you ain't getting shit well <laughs> if you put in the wrong attempt for him and i win and i get the 25k I can share a little. I'll, let, I'll let you buy you a little beer. bit. 5K. 5K is off the top. It's fine. Yeah. You got kids. You got to, the other man, if it's Matt Gary handling guys, like you'd be, you'd be, listen, you got kids. You got, you know, think about your future, man. A 5K could go a long way. So whatever it is, what it is. Put that in your <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt and Joey could split a one shot together after the win. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But um, yeah. Um, where were we, what were we talking about before we got off on this? Oh, we also wanted to bring up um, cause Joe, you were, you were saying earlier and I, I'm all double back on this, how like now, cause you, when I talk about flex, like the flex fam, whatnot, and you were saying how some people will come on for like clout reasons you feel like, and you'll kind of, you want to vibe for that because you're like, all right, you're going to get good coaching regardless, but I want you to get good coaching and stay for, you know, whatever attention, as opposed to the other way like around, you, like you you felt I just wanted to give you give you your flowers while I remembered you guys. I, I've mentioned it years back, but now it's super coming into fruition that your guys' branding and the moves you've made and the culture you've built is fucking solid, um, like almost no other I've seen in terms of like like you know just the flex fam and all of the the branding you've done and like the culture you've built on the team and the Titan. It also goes hand in hand with the personality of your coaching as well that um so it all it all comes together right i i understand but um yeah it's fucking unique man it's it's pretty unique and we talked about it like years ago i was like dude like the no before it was kind of doing it they had a logo but there was no feel behind the logo it was you know what i mean whereas yours was different and now years later you've cultivated it and it's now actually on social media and people feel it i'm gonna be right back real quick sure and people like i want to be a part of this and um, so there it is. But there's also like, you know, it's pros and cons with everything. So like you said, sometimes people want to be a part of something. I mean, for- and some people, they have more clout than me. They have like 10 times my followers and big names, huge like clout for me. But I'll interrogate them and like ask them questions and just find out that this maybe isn't the best thing for them and turn them down. I've had, like, I can think of three massive entities that have hit me up for coaching, four massive entities that have hit me up for coaching. Um, and I just like, you can't say us to everything. I'm a very specific thing, you know, like I take people that want to compete in powerlifting and make them stronger and hopefully better. You know what I mean? That's so niche. But I'm like, I'm like, uh, it's like when you need something done in your house, you call, you call him, you call an electrician, right? You call a specialist for that thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm a specific, it's so specific. And it's just, it's kind of weird. Cause like I did it for fun and it ended up becoming like my life, you know? So 
I don't know. I just Listen, is one of those four entities Brennan Schaub. I need this confirmed. It is. It's Brennan no. Schaub. <laughs> Schaub from the fighter and the kid. <laughs> yeah, he's at, he's at zoo all the time. I know, yeah. dude. When Tina was on, because I'm a big the fighter and the kid podcast guy, and um, and Brennan Schaub's like huge. And once I started seeing him go to zoo culture he talks about it on the fighter and kid and he talks about power lifters at zoo culture and he talks about and i'm like fuck i think he's gonna say joey's name yeah. <laughs> i haven't run into him yet believe it or not i haven't run into him yet he goes like really 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 early he, um, he, he's he posts his bench talks about his bench is dead is like and i'm like and he's just working out with this bodybuilder dude who doesn't really know like actual train he probably knows more about nutrition and stuff but for actual training with their with goals in the gym, I think they're just kind of randomized. And I'm like, fuck, I hope Joey runs into Brennan Schaub and 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 The Rock and uh and and, and get some. I mean, honestly, I met James Harrison and um that was the only person I've ever met where I was like, I am not leaving till I take a picture with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say, I'm not leaving until you're on the flex fam. <laughs> no, I'm not leaving till you bench with me. No, nah, but he's a uh, he's a very tanky tank of a person. Like he's like he's just a beast. Like James Harrison's insane. Like I, I like I when I met him, I was like, this guy has literally put grown men to sleep. <laughs> like this guy is just this guy's a savage. So you know, um, yeah, I don't know, like. I, whatever I do, I just try to like stay humble with it and stay objective and just I I I'm doing it for like more than me, you know. Like I am a part of it, but I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for people that put their trust in me. Um, someone someone on one of my YouTube videos the other day said like, "Oh, you take lifting too seriously." Like random no account picture person they're like you take lifting too seriously and then i said you know i usually don't respond but i said if lifting changed your life your family's life and your best friend's life um then maybe you would take it a little bit more seriously too and <laughs> oh no shit and that, that's like, a good like, response Joe. like i don't know how to like like i got my mom out of a bad financial situation i changed my brother's life i gave him a job i you know help like some of my most loyal guys like I've held, like I've done, I'm making even just like the guys that can monetize being strong have been able to just like amplify it with like, by being relevant in powerlifting. Like, you know, it's, 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 we're doing more, like we make impacts in people's lives, like whether it's directly, whether indirectly, um, you know, and it's like, I'm just really thankful. And I just want to keep pushing things. I want I'm one of those like hopeless people that wants powerlifting to be an Olympic sport one day. I want powerlifting to have big, big events and a stadium. And, you know, I just try to, I just try to do that in however way that I can in every, but it's like little steps, like you said, little step, little step, little step, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I need, we, we need, and that's why I don't like dislike, I don't like hate, um like competitors or anything like that we need i need them to get my guys fired up i need them to make our conversation interesting if i go in and just like blow out every weight class that i have of someone competing and there's no competitor it's just nobody cares at that point you know right. what i mean 
Right. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I would love to have a 74 that I could build up to push Taylor. Um, but he's, you know, like <laughs> I don't have one, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then that could be a, another matchup. So, you know, um, but it's, it's respect, you know, it's respect. It's like, I take the Poirier approach and not the McGregor approach where I'm more like, <laughs> I respect what my competitors have done uh, with, with what the opposition has done. Not, it's not even opposition as much as the fans want to make it opposition. Like you have to hate this person, you know, it's like, we're not at the end of the day, we're not fighting. We're lifting weights and right. yeah, you know, we can do our thing and beat them. Um, but it's, it's, I would, I would say, I don't know how I would coach like fighting or something like that because there's so many variables I don't have control over. And I feel like I would just be helpless in certain situations. Like what is the other people ringside doing when their fighters just on the ground getting pummeled? They just like, <laughs> fuck, like I can't do shit. You know what I mean? If, like, you're, if you're a religious man, you're praying. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? So it's just, um, they're like just tell them to get up or like they're they're telling them like you know whiz like brock lesnar wizard wizard like just one lord to wizard like yeah. break away but um, it's, uh, well, it's, I, was, I was gonna ask you joey since you said um uh that, you know you fell into this coaching if you th- if you never became a powerlifting coach or any kind of personal trainer what do you think your uh, job would be right now oh shit let me think That's i was originally thing. i was going to school for sports management like dealing with like um uh, like kind of sports marketing and i was also into there was a time where i was like really into like the creative side of game design um that was before i got into that but um i i when i was in the midwest like funding my school i there's something i know this is going to sound fucking crazy but there was something, um, this might just have to do with like, I always have this little voice in my head. That's like, you're not doing enough. You need to do more. I literally get anxiety thinking like, I need to write a book. I need to fucking, <laughs> I need to be, get up back on the podcast. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to create an app. I need to fucking make a supplement line. I need to start a gym. I need to, you know, cause I, we're so free. So I could do so many things. And you know, you get anxiety thinking about like, oh my God, like look at all these opportunities I'm missing. And it's really unhealthy. It truly is because it's like, there's always infinite opportunities, but it's like, what are you willing, how much of yourself and how much sacrifice are you willing to give in order to try to gain? And what I think I would be doing, um, I, like, I don't know. I, I worked some like odd jobs when I was out there. I worked at a meat department of a grocery store. I did roofing. Um, I've worked in retail. I've done a lot of things and there was something kind of- I've done security. I've been a personal assistant. I've done all kinds of shit. And there, I've done sales at a gym. There, there, there's so many things. And there's something about like, you wake up, you go in, you do your job and you leave um, that I didn't mind. But I knew that it was, um, it didn't, th- this is why, like, if you look at society, if you look at people in the world and, and like, let's say you work at a bank right i don't know what's really exciting about banking making money is exciting and then you know but like for me i i feel like i would always gravitate towards something that was competitive in some way um because it would probably be even if it was a hobby you know maybe just like like lifting is more than a hobby for us but um 
I don't know, something in sports, something in sports psychology, something in, um, you know, dealing with, dealing with people. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but I also don't mind. Like I did it. It does take a lot of stress off when you don't need to be the creative person and you can just kind of like, you have your job, you just do it. And there was something about that that was like almost comforting for me, but I also like, it's way more like that's one aspect of life. And then you have the more risky, you know, like, let me make a bet on something and let me try to do something with an idea that I have. And if it pays off, it's like super rewarding. Um, and I think that that was inevitably why I left the Midwest and came back to LA because, you know, I remember the day that I was leaving or the week, the couple of days before my last day of work, they, they, my coworkers were telling me like, why are you, why are you heading back home? And I'm like, they're like, you have everything here. You have, you know, you have your house, you have a house, you have an apartment here. You have your girlfriend, you have your job. You know, what do you, why do you want to go back? And it, and in the Midwest, you can work a regular job and make enough to survive and save a little bit. You can, you literally can, you cannot do that here. No way. Absolutely. No way. Our minimum wage got pushed, but there's like, you need like five roommates, right? There's like no way in Los Angeles you could do that. So and I told them, I just, I, I said, I think it's just because I don't want to be, I, there's no opportunity here. There's no stimulation here. There's no, I mean, I was also from here. Uh, so I was used to the, I used to be a personal trainer in Hollywood. Like I, I like I was across the street from Beverly Hills, from uh, the Beverly Center at a place called Beverly Hills Health and Fitness. I was used to like hustling, brother. I was used to fucking you know, I was, I was like, that's what I, I had a lot of great mentors, you know, I, I've been all over there and I just, I saw the game and I saw what things were. And I was very lucky early on to just, um, just like be influenced by the people that I was influenced by. And, um, you know, and it just made me like, want to come back here and try to i'd rather risk it and fail i'd rather try to come home and risk it and fail at something than stay where i'm at and just kind of be the same forever you know what i mean so that's that's what i ended up doing and um i was originally in bodybuilding and my coach at the time uh tyler mayer i'm sure he's still out there somewhere um he was like you have a really good bench press why don't you try powerlifting and I was like, all right. And I benched like, I think it was like 380 at 198 at a USPA meet 2013, I think. And um, then I was like hooked. I was like, this is, I was like, this gives purpose to my training. I'm not just like endlessly trying to get a pump. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and then I just kind of did it for fun. I was like a personal trainer at a LA fitness. And then I would power lift after my shift. And then like, hella people started asking me what that was and i was like oh it's it's just like squat bench and deadlift and then it just kind of grew over time and i remember um like right away i had like 20 online clients and then i was still training some people in person and honestly i got in before any of this like there was no you know there was no like it was so small. It was mm -hmm. so small. I was like one of the first people. Bryce was around. Bryce Lewis was around. He actually lived next to me. Uh, we, I met him a couple of times at this gym we used to train at called Woodland Hills Athletic Club. I think it's gone now. 
It's called Flux Fitness now, oddly enough. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Um, but yeah, and then he, that was like right around the time that TSA started, I was doing my thing. I knew about, I knew about Mike T. I knew about Lane Norton. I knew about 3DMJ. Um, T Nation. Like I used to read the, all those articles, dude. There was no YouTube back then, right? <laughs> Ryan, back in my day, there was no YouTube. Brother. You had to read. You had to read, brother. Um, T Nation. Um, uh, Paul Carter was on there a lot. I actually met Paul Carter many times. We call him Uncle Paul. I still follow him. He posts good stuff. Um, one of the OGs. And yeah, it was like a good time. And um, how did I go from what I would get into to this? I just started telling you my life story. But yeah, you guys got more questions. I know this is oh. a pre-workout, which means I'm going to bench soon. And I know wow. you did some questions on the gram. So what do you got? Quick one-off question. Where in the Midwest did you live? Oh, fucking horrible place. <laughs> Platt, Platt City, Missouri. Right next to Leavenworth, Kansas. I've never heard of it. Never University heard of St. Mary's. Yes, yes. It was, uh, it was a, I went there for football. It was an NAIA. I uh, feel like it was a very traumatic period for his No, for I'm his actually life. very thankful. No, very I, thankful I, know he, I know he's thankful for it, but I feel like outside, like when it's hot out and there's like mosquitoes, he goes, this ain't shit. <laughs> like when he was out in the Midwest, he goes, man, freaking bugs your size. <laughs> 52 kilo bugs. No, it was, it was, uh, it was like, I'm very thankful for that experience. Like going to a foreign place and like living on your own and going to school is like, um, you, you grow up, you grow up. So like, like, and, and I had to like fend for myself. So it was, it was, uh, I'm very thankful for that experience. And I just remember coming back, I was like so much more mature and they gave me the drive and the, like, it showed me that like, no matter what I do after this point, it's going to be easy. You know what I mean? Because of all the shit I had to deal with out there. But it was good. It was, um, I'm glad that I went through it. You know, I'm glad that I went through financial hardship. I'm glad that I went through, like, like, you know, like, people that, like, worry about stuff in life? That yeah. worry about things, right? And, like, the thing that they, like, what happens if you don't pay your car bill? What happens, right? They're going to take your car, right? That never happened to me. But what happens if it stacks up too much? What happens if you don't pay your credit card, right? You mm -hmm. just it, the number's just gonna go up. Like it, like when you when you experience the fear that you have, you don't experience like you you're like I'm alive. I'm not in jail. Nobody came to get me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I did what I had to do at the time that I had to do it, and um, I got out all I got out of all of that, and I've just like I remember, I fucking remember we have this bus here called the Orange Line, right? And I remember I didn't have a dollar twenty-five to get on the bus to take the bus like to LA to take the bus up to Beverly Hills where I needed to go to work at the gym so I could make fucking I think minimum wage uh two thousand eight was probably like seven twenty-five or seven fifty, might have been eight bucks, I'm not sure. But I didn't have a dollar twenty-five to do that. And I remember like being so terrified to get on the bus because at the end the sheriffs jump on and they check everyone. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. And I've been I was caught like many times. You just and what happens? Well, I was so scared. What happens? You just get a little ticket. It's mm -hmm. like one hundred twenty five bucks and then you just got to pay it. You know what I mean? It's like I was so afraid, you know, but it's like it's like when you when you fault on default on things, when you experience all that, like the hard way, 
I'm telling you, when I was like 18 years old, I was just like, my mom's like, you got a house. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep it. You do, you do what you got to do. So I came up from like shit. And I remember like being, I used to be so sad looking back at 18 year old me or 17 year old me, 16 year old me. I used to feel so sad for like, I feel sad thinking about like, fuck man. I remember I had to walk like, you know, two miles to get to that one bus stop because it was the only bus that got to this place. And I didn't have the money to do this. And I wouldn't eat till fucking six at night, you know, when, um, you know, a client would show up and, and I would like tell them, bring me something on the way and I'll get them back later. And it was just like so much shit that I had to go just, it, it, that's like just the surface of it. But I, I just, I've experienced, you know, financial hardship. And then just to growing up, everyone always says like, you want to do something that you're passionate about and like if then it won't feel like work right and i always heard this and i didn't understand it i just heard it my whole life i never understood it and then i eventually got into powerlifting and i just did it and then it kind of like then social media happened and then it exploded and it was just like you know social media has created so many opportunities for people and it is like the number it's like one of the biggest factors in like catalysts in changing my life and it's crazy because for years, I remember my ex-girlfriend would always tell me to get a Facebook and get an Instagram. And I was like, no, that shit's stupid. Fuck that. Why would I do that? Hell no. Why would I get on there? You know what it's I mean? crazy. Of, diff- the irony of that is me and Joey got together because I found him on Instagram. That's what you knew you were the one. Dude, you know what I mean? But it's and crazy it, how much things have changed, man. You're right. Like yeah. when people when people trash social media, it's like, again, it might be oh, if yeah, sure. If you only look at the negatives. If you only yeah. look at the negatives, but powerlifting wouldn't be. But what is social or... media? What is social media? It's uh, it's people portraying something like like so either it is authentic or it's not, but it is generated by other humans, which means it came from people. It came from actual human beings that had to like put together a post and make it. Social media, in my opinion, is infinitely more positive than it is negative. If you learn how to manage it. It can be an incredibly powerful, life-changing thing. If you, you know, I, I always tell my brother, don't fucking respond to every idiot. Don't <laughs> fucking do it. You're not Paul Felder. You're not, you're, you're not Paul Felder. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what that's about when he was like, would you say that to my face? And the guy was like, no, I wouldn't. That's why I yeah, online. <laughs> yeah. I remember that tweet. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Um, I think for all of us, we're the first generation to deal with social media. So we're getting used to it, but future generations will be like, you guys were alcoholics, but we were, we could drink on weekends. You know what I mean? We're like, (laughs) you guys couldn't, you just found this narcotic earlier. Like, fuck, I don't know how to manage myself, but these guys are like, no, we can have booze in the house and still not drink every fucking day. And that's what social media is going to be with them is like, we know how to manage it. We're good. Um, but our generation, cause we're the first, like everything's all new. So we're like, can't get off our phones. And we're like, ah, I'm all in, I'm all in. And, um, I think it'll just be a balance. Everything will even out. Um, one thing I liked what you said, Joey, you've said it a couple of times. I got one more, I got like a last big question I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you, you and Tina each, but, um, it, one thing I do like you, you were saying how you're like, look at, I, I'm the guy who pictures us in the Olympics. I'm the guy who pictures us on like, you know, ESPN, or I'm the guy who pictures. The thing is whenever people come around and say like- um, I would love to commentate. Yeah, well, there you, okay, there you go. But whenever people come around and say like, we're never going to get in the Olympics, we're never going to get in East, we're never going to- If gonna, you think that you know, way- then... I, this, this is what I say. I don't know if we're going to get in the Olympics 
But I do know that the fucking guys who say that, it's not going to be on their backs if we do make it. Nothing will get achieved by those people's involvement. And if we ever get on like the Sheffields and the ESPNs or the fucking Olympics, it's going to be the people who believed. And, and that's it. I know that for fact. How far we push it, I don't know. But I do know they do won't you be the know, ones who do it. Arian, they hit you up and say, we're going to the Olympics. Would you like, would you be like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I don't even need to do it. I'm, I'm done now. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just, we made it. We made it all the naysayers. Do you know how many fucking people would be like, damn, I shouldn't have pinned that trend because now I, I can't do it. You know what I mean? It, it would just open up so many doors. <sighs> I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. Um, but I would really, I would really love to sit down with me and I could, I would, I would fly in the, some social media people and I would sit down with whoever we need to talk to and say, how can, how can we make, what do we need to do to get this? Like you need views. We know it comes down to views. We know it comes down to money. We know that's what it all, it's all about. What of this, what of that? Come on, man. We know what it's about. What do you need from us? What kind of numbers do you need from us? And then if they give us, like, give us the shit, like the lowest viewed sport in the Olympics. I pro, I will bet, I will bet money that we could beat that. Like, we will get more views than that. Please, what is the lowest viewed sport? Who little do I know? Like, the lowest viewed sport probably gets like fucking twenty million. <laughs> no, but you're, yeah, you're. I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just some passionate dude. That's it. I don't know shit. That's how- like. It's, it's funny, we, were, we, were ha- we were having this conversation today about, um, you know, the situations, the Olympics are always like, you know, the Olympic village, you know, the things suck right now. They're saying they have like, you know, recyclable wooden beds and stuff like that. And, oh, why would any lifter want to do that? And I was like, even with all that currently powerlifters are spending thousands of dollars to go to, you know, us, Canada, South Africa, Europe, you know, anywhere to go and compete. I mean, they would 100% all these lifters, Russ, Taylor, Amanda, all of them would do it for the Olympics and spend their own money and go live in those shitty Olympic villages to go say they they compete in the Olympics. Hell yeah. It's not even a thought on my end, doggy. We were already talking about like, if you have to be paid to do something or um, see like a financial benefit for it. And we were also talking about how like, like passion is, is big and how also like a life experience, man, you talk being in the Olympic village, are you kidding me, man? I will sleep on the floor in a <laughs> fucking sleeping cardboard box. Yeah, it, it, give me that cardboard box, and that's my covers, doggy. Like, come on, man. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. I think uh, it does help that all of us in this conversation were around before the social media boom, before a lot of this stuff is in place. So we have a different appreciation for what mm-hmm. we have right now when we love it. Where some like, people come in and they complain about a lot of things. You're like, God damn, man. And like, <laughs> yeah. it's so easy. If you, if you have a talent, you can portray that to the world and you can generate a following. Like I have some young kids right now. Like, uh, I don't, know, I don't want to say names um, just to keep. Russell or he. Her, just to keep <laughs> her protected. But she's very big on TikTok. And like, I was telling her, you just have to be consistent. You just have to be consistent. Like. Your your Instagram's blowing up, but like you literally just have to be consistent. You have the you have the look, you have the formula, you have everything that you need. It's just every day you just post something. It doesn't even you don't have to do shit. You just gotta post, and it, you're gonna blow up. It's just it's a matter of time, and that's gonna lead to more things. And 
you know, I tell one, I tell some of my younger lifters, you don't understand how lucky you are. You don't understand how lucky you are, how how fortunate you are right now. You got don't do not squander this opportunity. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, it's it's uh, it was just growing pains with social media, right? Like at first everybody hates it, and then they they start to like it. But um, you said you had a big question. Okay. Here's the here's here's the final. Oh, both snap! You guys. Take so so it's it's not necessarily a big one, but it's a it's a it's a tough one to it'll be it'll be a tough one, I think. So if someone was to come down a genie or whatever, okay, and took away and this will be for both you and Tina and took away everything you're going to, when you die and leave the world, everything you've ever done, your history, everything goes with you, and nobody can read about you, nothing. It's all gone. Your reputation, all your body of work, everything is going to be gone. But the genie says, take this fucking stick it note, take this pen and write down the best piece of advice or knowledge you want to pass on to the people who are coming up behind you because nothing you've done is going to last beyond this sticky note. So if you could give one thing to write down to tell people to say, listen to me, if I've learned anything in my life, it's this. And if I'm going to pass anything down to you, here it is. Oh, God, that's tough. <laughs> um, I'll tell you right now. I can help you out, but I, I think I, you, you've, you've pushed very heavily follow your passion. I was going to say don't quit and don't doubt yourself. Because I think a lot of people, um, as soon as things get like a little bit difficult, they're very quick to quit. So I think just believing in yourself and not giving up. Like, I mean, it sounds super cheesy to say, but it's like, Joey can attest to this. I had so many days where I was like, I don't feel like training. I don't want to do anything. It's hot. But seeing the end goal and knowing that whatever pain you're feeling is going to be temporary to just not quit and just keep pushing yourself, you'll wind up reaching that end goal. Your, this is a great for having you on after nationals embodied that, that story of like, don't quit, see this through, see what happens. And then look at you now. You hit Yeah. The well, I mean, and- a, a lot, a lot of people just like, as soon as things get like a little bit difficult, they just, they don't want to do it anymore. And it, it's just like, you, you got to find that little breakthrough. And as soon as you get through that little breakthrough, that's when progress comes. And I, maybe I am feeling that way because that's how I felt with nationals. Like I just had to, I, I dealt with so much over the course of like the last few years. And then there's so many times and Joey, Joey probably heard me say, I fucking hate powerlifting so many times. I think I even DM'd you a few times during the process too when things got tough. And I was just like, I I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then um, I just had to deal with like so much. And I just, I didn't quit. I just told myself like, I just need to, I just need to put my head down and give myself 90 minutes to just like push through this. And this isn't just for like powerlifting. It's for like anything. It's like if, if you genuinely have an end goal and it takes X amount of work to take one step forward, 
just do it and trust yourself that you can get through it and you'll wind up reaching that goal that you felt so passionate about for however long you felt passionate about it. That's a fucking good one. <laughs> it's so hard to get to tell to say it because like <laughs> I want to say like like what has what have what has been super impactful in my life and in my experiences and what has helped me get to where I am and I've always felt like I could I have like this little voice in my head that um, if I just listen to it, everything's going to be fine. Like, but I don't know if everybody else has that. Like if I trust myself and I trust my gut feeling, then everything's going to work out. And in times of doubt, um, like when I, when I brought up the squat example, like when I'm at the Arnold and I'm going to squat 750, there's, there's a feeling of self-doubt, but there's an involuntary thought of like rationale that is like spewing and I it's and I'm not doing it it's just happening and it and it calms me down and it makes me feel like oh I got this I'm gonna be okay um and so I would say you know I want to say trust like trust yourself but I don't know but I can think of examples of people that like they really want to like make it in the coaching space for example and they trust themselves and um is it the right thing to, I got, when people say, Hey, how do I get into coaching? I usually tell them like, they think they're going to be Joey Flex overnight. They think they're going to be the next big coaching organization overnight, whatever. And like, I don't know if it, it'd be so hard to replicate because it was just timing. It was like, you know, I can't tell someone to trust the trust in themselves out. Like if they don't have, if they haven't found the right pursuit to trust themselves in, if that makes sense, um, I would say pursue. There's <sighs> so many things I could give, but I'll just give you one. I would say pursue something that you think you're passionate about. And along that path, other doors will open up to you and you'll end up in the right place if that makes sense that totally does if you yeah if you're following so, your passion you could trust yeah. yourself <laughs> well here's the thing like because a lot of people they think their passion is to be a doctor but as they pursue that passion of being a doctor they realize they fucking hate it but they realize that they hate it which means they're now on a different path they're going to head towards something else so i always tell especially kids in school Right now you're in school, your parents told you to go to school and you're chasing this degree. Along that path, you're going to experience a lot of different things. And maybe when you get there, you'll realize this isn't what you want. But hopefully by, you know, pursuing that. You're maybe, learning more about yourself. Like you're going to feel a lot of different things. And maybe you feel something that you like over in this direction. And it was like a different field, right? And then maybe you say, you know what? I am so passionate about this other thing that, I'm going to, I'm going to drop this and I'm going to go pursue that. You know what I mean? So, um, fucking chase your dreams, kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is what, this is what we call a throwback. Dustin Poirier. Let me say this. Cause he said almost Let's the same thing you did. He said, um, 
when it when they're like, what are you going to do when you go into a fight and there's a million different opportunities to get knocked out, choked out, and lose? And he said, my preparation enables me to walk into that octagon. And I learned later on in life, not when I the first time I fought Connor, but later on the second time I fought Connor, I could trust myself to make the right decisions when I need to. And it's like you said, where the preparation, when you're actually ready, you actually can be like, trust yourself. It's okay. Yes, this can happen. That can happen, blah, blah, blah. But just settle down a minute. You're prepared. You're ready. If you've done your homework, you could trust yourself. To I make believe the right it decision. was Connor, um, non, non shithead Connor, the good Connor when he was still coming up. The one he said, uh, he said, my preparation allows me to go like head first into, into the fire and know that I'm going to come out on top. You know what I mean? Like if you, the only way to get rid of the self doubt in your head is to prepare. If you put yourself, if you prepare correctly, then there's no fear. There's no worry. There's, there's, there's confidence. You know what I mean? And you can almost fighting's different because you can get caught, mm -hmm. right? Fighting's different, but in, but in powerlifting, you can control a lot of your destiny. You might get a bad call here and there, things like that. But for the most part, we have a lot of control over, over like how we're going to perform. And if you prepare correctly, um, then, you know, you, you, you're going to come out a lot more times than you're not. And that's different than, you know, trust yourself fucking follow your fucking dreams you know what i mean i know it sounds super cliche but it's I'm true doggy it is I'm take a picture of the screen right here take a picture grand. man take a picture <laughs> wait tina's not on it hold on i gotta tina, make it. come on man she's right here hold on let me see got it should we be doing pose or something no no <laughs> anyway um yeah i think it was a pretty useful one what was that about four hours yeah that's it just a quick foe just a quick poll. Yeah. guys, thank you very much. I'm gonna let Joey. Joey's pre-workout's kicking in. He's got to smash some weights. Tina, thank oh. you for coming on. Hey, Joey, now would be a good time to tell you that my block ended, so I have zero training for today. Even though I told you that a couple days ago. Trust oh. you, Jim. Get under the bar. Trust your intuition, Tina. Trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah, just I mean, just I, go to the gym and something will hey, happen. That's right. That's ten, right. Seven, ten. Something will happen. I mean, real, realistically speaking, though, like I, after my piriformis syndrome had flared up, I spent like a year and a half of just coaching myself. So Joey, Joey started prepping me for this, like maybe for, for nationals for like, for like 16 weeks or something like that. Does like I hit, I hit, I hit 220 in training. I was just, a very full 57 when that happened. Very full 57. <laughs> Just yellow max today. All right, bro. No, thank you for having me. I wouldn't me. do that. You and bet. That's, that's one of the reasons why I think I wound up doing Appreciate so you. well this nationals was this was absolutely the first time where I actually stayed in the pocket the entire prep. Did I didn't you? overshoot. It. Yeah, yeah, it was the very first time. And maybe that's why I doubted myself because I'm, I'm not a – like I never hit more on the platform than what I hit in training. That never happens. But this was the very first time I actually stayed in the pocket. Like I haven't loaded 308, 140 on a on the bar for squat in literally over two years. So I I just took her out. That's why I had gotten off the off the screen. But but yeah, I, I think that's probably why this prep was so good because I actually didn't get injured. I stayed in the pocket 
Like I might have overshot on bench like a few times, but I didn't yeah. overshoot my squat or my my deads at all this prep. That's so okay. Like, so this is what you got to write on your piece of paper. Trust the process. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't overshoot. No, wait, 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 wait. No, it's got to be stay in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> we have stay in the pocket flex. Shots. I know. This is this this is also a throwback to your merch. Yeah, I mean. Joe, Joey actually, I think, had sent a message or something to Steffi Cohen because Steffi Cohen had said stay in the pocket on like one of her posts. And Joey was like, sounds familiar. Interesting. <laughs> You're saying stay in the pocket. Well, I, is it? Did Joey make the term up? I don't know where it came from. I think at first I don't know. it was from Joey, but I have no idea. If, if you didn't hear it from Joey, I mean, you might, maybe you, maybe Joey said it once and then it starts circulating on social media or something like that. I same, with because, the, same with the handshake emoji. Oh, oh, the hand. Yeah, a I lot use of the it a lot. But and there's I, a lot of there's a lot of this yeah, one now too. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that one at least is like like anime stuff. But like I saw Joey always doing the handshake thing with like his lifters and stuff, and then I see like a bunch of other lifters start doing it. Yeah, I mean, it, I it could be from emoji. that. Yeah, yeah, you use it a lot too. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. but yeah, I think that's that's probably why my prep was probably the best because I actually had like a real a real taper where I didn't RP tend everything in the last like two weeks, except for my deadlift, which it, I, I, I still only pulled 391 on the platform. I've pulled 396 before, but whatever it is what it is. Yeah. Still. And also maybe some of these other like things that were going on made you stay a little like more conservative in the gym and then it all worked out anyways. Right. It was better than well, you did. I mean, I think being, I don't even know if I should even call it an injury. Because I don't, I don't think piriformis syndrome is so much of like a traumatic injury because usually when you hear people say injury, you think like, oh shit, I felt a pop in my back while I was deadlifting or something like that. But like when I was dealing with the piriformis syndrome, it was like a slow onset. I tried to do the best that I could to try and combat it, but I never had a traumatic event that happened in training that led to my piriformis syndrome. It probably was just like overuse because, and overshooting, I'm sure. Mm. Because because of my scoliosis, I can't keep proper form completely, which is one of the reasons why I record all of my lifts, all of my squats from the side. Because anybody that sees my squat from behind is just like, how is this person even lifting? Because I literally go down and I like, I'm at such a sharp angle because of my scoliosis that it looks terrible from behind. So that's why I always record from the side, which is a great exaggeration of how poor my depth is. But I try and record from the left-hand side because that's usually the worst part of my depth. So it's like, if I can hit depth on the left side, I know that my right side is good. (laughs) But I think not overshooting is an... It, like that wound up happening because of my fear of piriformis syndrome flaring up again. So that's probably why I wound up doing well. Cause I actually stayed in the pocket because I was scared <laughs> of another flare up. Well, I mean, it's still an injury, even if it wasn't acute and you felt like a sudden injury, it's still an injury that you have to deal with. And some yeah, it's like- something that you have to deal with. I can't even tell you how many thousands of dollars I wound up spending trying to fix it. Even that's for true. prep, like, like I was, I was dealing with, I think this kind of flared up in May of 2019 and it's only like significantly improved over the last like five or six months. 
Holy like, sm- yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have a 100% pain-free training session up until maybe two weeks out from nationals. But I was also since February, I I started going to Dr. Brady Salcedo, who is actually a chiropractor for the LA Rams. Oh, wow. Starting to work on me. Um, I think he's the reason why I wound up doing as well as I did, but I was literally going to him once or twice a week. And it's not, it was like a 25 minute drive each way too, which is <laughs> well, a pain to it. deal with. Yeah. Turns out it's worth it. Well, listen, yeah, Tina, thank you for coming on. We freaking yeah. crushed. I have no idea how long this thing is at this point. <laughs> we, yeah, we, my, we talked I, before I, I didn't recording. contribute very much to it either. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Um, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Well, well, we got four of us on here. Sometimes it's tough to like everyone. And I'm a chatty Kathy. Joe's a chatty Kathy. So we can feel it a lot. But uh, thank you very much. And um, hopefully I see you around maybe in Sweden. If Joey could talk you into it. Or if I could deal with the flight. If you could deal with the flight. Remember, it's a life experience. Just keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah. I think Joey, Joey literally like, just messaged me and said goodbye. He's like, he's going to go leave to go to the gym without me right now. Okay. But I'll talk to you later. All right. No, you're we'll, good. We'll, we'll okay. talk later in the DMs, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Arian. Yeah, of course. Time, sir. And uh, okay. we'll do it again soon. Yeah. All righty. Bye. Thanks.